Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about probably the most uncomfortable movie I've ever watched or talked about, Hard Candy. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? I go back to the feel-good days of Darren Aronofsky. (laughs) (laughs) Black Swan seems like a distant, happy memory now, right? What I wouldn't give for the sunshine of Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Uh, Next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified revenge aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I am become death, destroyer of (laughs) fuckboys. And our special guest tonight, Eisner-nominated comic book writer and self-professed feminist killjoy, Katie Schenkel. How are you, Katie? I'm good. I'm feeling a little guilty for bringing the mood tonight with my with my movie choice, but I'm doing good. Don't apologize. <laughs> no, you traumatized us, and from that trauma, we will spin podcasting gold. Okay, good, good. As long as it's art, then we're good. You you yeah. just hit us on a strand of uh, of tough ones here because uh, two weeks ago we did Annihilation. Last week we did Black Swan. So uh, this is our third in a row, not particularly fun movie. I'm really going to need like a nightmare on Elm Street four after this. <laughs> like just something I'm going to need a real turn my brain the fuck off movie. <laughs> we've, we've got some fun ones coming in the next few weeks. So I think uh, I think we can accommodate you there. Um, now, uh, Katie, you mentioned that you have a, a new book that's uh, in stores right now. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I do. Um, it is not really connected to what we're talking about tonight, but it is spooky. Um, it's The Cardboard Kingdom, Roar of the Beast. It is a sequel to The Cardboard Kingdom, which I uh, co-wrote with several people. Um, it is the reason why I'm, uh, why I'm the Eisner-nominated writer so i appreciate that about it um and this one so the first one was set uh in summer with this neighborhood of kids who create cardboard costumes and have adventures the sequel is actually uh the week before halloween and the kids get distracted from making you know halloween costumes because there's a weird mystery happening and they're and they think that they see a monster at night and so the kids have to figure that out and there's also a lot of emotional relationship stuff going on uh and yeah it's i really like it i think that it's going to be really fun for kids to read especially as we get closer to fall um but it it came out on june 1st so you can pick it up wherever uh whatever bookseller you enjoy uh perusing yeah and i i know i i guess one of the reasons we got to know each other is uh the first one is one of my daughter's like favorite graphic novels she loves the cardboard kingdom so i'm super sorry i'm super looking forward to this one coming out so uh she can finally uh find out what comes next yeah i think my so one of my main characters in it is sophie who is the big banshee 
And uh, I don't think this will really be a spoiler per se, but in trying to hunt down this monster, she and two of her friends become a sort of superhero team, a la, a la like Birds of Prey. So oh, we're going to oh. get to see some, a so little cool. bit of, yeah, I'm excited. Um, we, we get to see a little bit of a superhero homages uh, in those sections, and she becomes better friends with the knight, who is a character she didn't really get to interact with in the first book. So, if you like those characters, then uh, well, and all the characters come back. So, like, if you like any of the characters, you should buy my book. Nice. That's, that's super exciting. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to pick that up. Now, on to something that is definitely not for kids. Uh, let's, we'll talk about hard candy here. Just, uh, I want to give some of the basics first. That is directed by David Slade. His most famous work is probably 30 Days of Night and Twilight Eclipse. Um, this, but this anybody who listens to this young. will know him from directing the first episode of Hannibal, Aperitif, which we, we talked about uh, just a few weeks back. This is also written by Brian Nelson, who uh, wrote 30 Days of Night and also wrote the M. Night Shyamalan movie Devil, which is terrible and you should absolutely watch it. He also directed the third episode of Hannibal Potage, which I definitely just pronounced correctly, <laughs> which we also covered on the podcast. It is the pot age. We are yeah. now in the pot age. The age of pot, yes. I mean, New York, I mean, after what New York just legalized, I'm feeling it. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're, I'm still a long way off. I'm in the South here, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> We, we've maybe we've got no shortage of it. A, it's just not legal. Maybe your governor can have a scandal he needs to distract everyone from. <laughs> That's how we got it here in New York. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, honestly. And as far as uh, the stars of this movie, we have Elliot Page, Patrick Wilson, Sandra Oh, and Jennifer Holmes, both in like Blink and you'll miss them uh, roles. <laughs> but mostly it's Elliot Page and Patrick Wilson for almost the whole movie. Okay, I knew that this movie was starring Elliot Page. I did not know it also starred Patrick Wilson and that made it so much more uncomfortable. Like I just that someone who's just been so likable and friendly and charming in so many roles. Yep. Oh, oh, oh God. It's, it's, if Tom, if this role had been Tom <laughs> Hanks, would be like ten out of ten. This was definitely like eight out of ten. I knew you were yeah. going to bring like up actors. old Tom Hanks. I mean, again, how the uncomfortableness of Patrick Wilson would have still been like tripled if that had been Tom Hanks in that role. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I don't know if For this. Sure. I don't know if this was movie magic behind the scenes production or Patrick Wilson's secret ability, but man, was he so sweaty in this movie. <laughs> I assume everybody was just actually sweating in this movie. I was gonna say, it's oh like yeah, a mix everybody of is sweating. He absolutely like at several times his points in the movie, his character is asked to hydrate, and it's very necessary because he's sweating out all, all of the water in his body. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Well, I will say they both do fantastic acting jobs. You know, as uncomfortable as this movie is to watch, and I'm sure everybody's putting their all. You know, even Sandra O. Oh. Sandra O oh definitely oh. recorded her part before lunch while recording I, another movie. Yeah. I, have, yeah. I have a lot to say about Sandra O's scene in this movie. It is bonkers. Like, it's definitely, like, 
this is definitely shot between her scenes and sideways. Like, <laughs> she walked one set over. <laughs> She's like, I was in another movie, so I'm. I guess I'm in this one now. Yeah, I've I've said it before, but it's like it's basically a cameo. Like in any yeah. other movie, it could be considered a cameo, but because there are only four, technically five, if you count the coffee guy who doesn't say anything. But uh, yeah, like there are only four actors, so like no, they just say, oh yeah, and it's you know co-starring her, even though well, like I yeah. absolutely need. Sandra O's character to get her own spinoff because she is either Mr. Magoo levels oblivious or a complete fucking psychopath in her own right. <laughs> I mean, they just they live in the small town from uh, Ginger Snaps, you know, where nobody nobody notices any of this stuff going on. Hey, I Jeremy, I have to ask: when you look for someone to babysit your children, do you? Is a quality you look for an open, gaping, bloody head wound? <laughs> or roof climbing. Uh, yeah, I, oh, um, yeah, I don't know, man. That was, that's, it's that wild. That scene was wild. Yeah, Sandra Oh had, like, great Columbo energy in that. Yeah, except, where she's like, except for she never Columboed. She just, she never. Well, she cut, she, she, yeah, she never, like, it. landed it. But at the, she kept being like, oh, and another thing. Yeah. How's the roof? At a certain point, I thought I was living in the weirdest Canadian Monty Python sketch. <laughs> you think it's in the hall? Yes. <laughs> love fucking love. So I don't know if it's because of the energy of the main actors, but I keep thinking that Sandra O's like one scene was very nuanced. But then I think about it, I'm like, no, it wasn't. It's just compared to the like bonkersness of what we've just seen before she knocks on the door. Yeah. 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 This is this is like if somebody like came by and knocked on the door in the middle of like the the like the last scene of Scream. <laughs> we were just like, oh no, nothing going on here. Just bleeding a little bit. Um, you know, it's cool. It's a party, teenage stuff. Asking if stabbed Matthew Lillard. Oh, do you babysit? Yeah. <laughs> um, How's your right, garage? So- There are a couple of things uh, we need to address with this movie. One, we want to do a quick disclaimer. Um, Elliot Page has recently and publicly transitioned. Uh, His pronouns are he, him. In this film, Elliot plays Haley, who is, importantly to the plot, a 14-year-old girl. Uh, We're going to use he, him pronouns when talking about Elliot, the actor, and she, her pronouns when talking about Haley, the character. We note this because Elliot's transition is going to be or should be a topic of discussion when discussing this work, but because Haley's gender in the movie is, is impactful to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as what it's about, this, if you- The IMDb This IMDb uh, description you is can't bonkers. It. It's bonkers. IMDb says, Haley's a smart, charming teenage girl. Jeff's a handsome, fo- smooth fashion photographer. An internet chat a coffee shop meetup, an impromptu fashion shoot back at Jeff's place. Jeff thinks it's his lucky night. He's in for a surprise. If you take out if you take out teenage from that from that then it sounds like a rom-com. And maybe yeah. that's not the way you should be describing this movie. If you keep teenage, it sounds like a Woody Allen rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Look, I don't even know if that counts as a dig on the man. He made Manhattan. He knows his fucking filmography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a very, very, 
very established target and I feel okay shooting at it, but I still like to see the shots fired. It's just, it's nice to watch. Uh, guys, talking about scare level here, where would you put this? Is it spoopy as in not scary, spooky as in a little scary, terrifying as in very scary, or just existentially disconcerting? Ah! Ah! <laughs> Wait, hold on. So I, I'm going to say I'm, I think I'm the only person who has seen this before, hence why I suggested it. Uh, actually, I have already seen oh, it. Oh, you have. All right. I All saw right. it when it first came out in 2005, uh, which you're going to say it's a very different experience for, for you having watched it. It's a very different experience for me not having, like having been a college student the first time I watched this and now being like a father of two girls. <laughs> Oh, that's a very different, different experience. Yeah, that's yeah, a very yeah. different viewing experience. But, but I will say it for me. No, because I knew, I knew the safety of the female, the main female character, and I know I it was less, it was less screamy, awful, yeah. like, awful feeling for me because I, I knew, I knew what the future held for these characters. Um, but it's still, I mean, there's some cringe in this just because of how that other main character acts throughout the whole movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. knowing what happened in this movie did not stop the first 15 minutes of this movie from making my skin crawl. I hated that chat room. I hated the chat room so hard. Oh my god, yeah. I forgot about how, how hard it goes in at the very beginning. And I, I feel like... Maybe my own been like, oh god, that's too creepy. And now, like, fucking, you read the, the horrifying chats that get leaked, and it's like, oh, it, it. Again, you talk about Black Swan, how like the existential terrifying dread of like this is really happening somewhere out there. Those yeah. first eleven minutes are the most horrifying, skin crawling, existentially just like dis disgusting repulsive thing like i've ever seen yeah so, it's yeah. it's existentially like not it just like takes apart your soul yeah, uh thank god for the like... carpe omnium line because it's where the movie's energy just shifts on a yeah. dime yeah no yeah. it's a very it's vastly i i did find because like I so I watched it on Amazon Prime, so it tells it like was giving me information, you know, like tell me exactly the like the year was made, and I did have to laugh about when it was like all the stuff that Haley put into her like fourteen year old persona, and it included loves listening to John Mayer and Coldplay. I also had that in my notes. <laughs> I was like, I get it. This is set in two thousand six. We can move on. That's my only note. That isn't just all caps. I hate this. My notes are, I hate this, I hate this, Coldplay and John Mayer, but, I hate this, I like, hate this. The, the amounts of, like, what we considered in 2006 to be I'm not like other girl energy is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and poor I mean, gold frap. For me, like, gold frap, it's like, that dates us within, like, six months. Like, <laughs> I've never but, like, listened. Little Miss Sunshine to... came out, and gold frap was, like, the entire soundtrack. Everybody freaked out about gold frap for about six months. And then they were gone. Like, I've Aren't never listened to the Gold 90s? Frap. I feel like they got done dirty. Like they get just just dragged through the mud in this movie. Oh yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Man, man, David Slade did Goldfrap kill your dog. Like, 
I can only assume that David Slade, like me, like me, worked in a blockbuster at some point, and like they just played that same song from Little Miss Sunshine on the I hour ha- every hour. Oh, I have to imagine that's like the ultimate form of revenge. Is that like I hate your band so much? I'm gonna make. I'm gonna just like tie you intrinsically so anytime anyone googles you they get results for the horrifying pedophile movie god speaking of horrifying pedophile movie the triggers for this movie uh rape predatory Uh, behavior uh, grooming suicide illusions to child molestation rape again murder uh intense uh suspense and really only implied gore um but definitely violence very implied very implied mutilation uh gen- implied genital mutilation yeah man uh uh it, th- this is not an easygoing movie so uh just all just assume all the just whatever trigger exists just if aside from gore just assume it's here like it's, it's screaming just just screaming i will yeah. say um just to be exceptionally clear that um there is not a lot of imagery you know, as opposed to other movies that will show like rape and and assault and stuff like that, it's all alluded to, implied, or you know, like photographs that in the, or sort of in the background. Um, oh yeah, this movie is a triumph of atmosphere, acting, and cinematography. Yeah, and I feel like it's more existentially disconcerting because you know the threat. Um, you don't need to show that, uh, but you know at least that the imagery especially for people who are who are more easily triggered by the imagery you know just that's something that i want to mention because um you know this <laughs> um you know how every writing thing ever is like show don't tell this movie does the opposite and to its fucking credit yes absolutely, absolutely. it's absolutely. like there's various points where it's like they are looking at something horrible yeah it's very much the horrible. jaws where it's like we're just not you can you your imagination is going to be way worse than whatever we could show you, especially legally, obviously. Yeah. So like, yeah. So you don't really. I feel like it's also, and especially because it's so few people and so few scenes, it really does remind me of like a play in terms yeah. of like it's very you know like it's very it's all about the acting. It's all about like the communication between different people. And far less about specific props or, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the visuals of the- the, on a play sure. stage would also explain all of the sweating in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I mean, to its credit, to its low uh, scope, uh, this movie's budget was less than a million dollars. And yeah. they said in interviews that part of the reason to keep the budget so low was to keep the cost low enough that no studio would like, give them a bunch to like keep it low risk enough that they wouldn't get a bunch of notes and forced to just like tone it down yeah yeah because if you tone this movie down or tone this movie up it would be fatal like yeah absolutely. It, it would... it's it's just the right tone to be absolutely a, horrifying a movie ab- unlike uh, truly unlike anything i've ever seen before or hope to see again exactly yeah. very much so <laughs> Not to um, skip ahead, but I never a, do it again. I had a really rough time trying to like recommend things that people might like after you know for, if they've seen this movie and they like it. Um, <laughs> so I, very specific. Yeah. yeah, 
So uh, let's let's go ahead and jump into the spoilery section here. That's so okay. if, if if you do intend on watching this movie, you have been warned. Uh, <laughs> Recommendations: and... If you like this, try more Patrick Wilson movies like <laughs> Aquaman. No. <laughs> I mean, if you want to chase her for this, if you want to just forget, you shouldn't, but that's, well, some people maybe. All right. Uh, so let's talk about it, guys. What What do you want to talk about? Well, to start, I want to talk about the first scene um, and how it is described in a lot of the reviews and the descriptions of the movie that I've read online, because a lot of, a lot of... Uh, now, like, are we talking about the the chat that opens it or the actual like uh first in the coffee scene, shop the, coffee the, shop. the chat but more so the coffee shop um because it starts with the chat log you know or it's actually a live like sort of chat it's a like a message board yeah it, it, well it's a it's like a dm thing yeah i mean it's 2004 2005 i assume we're knows. using i assume we're talking aim yeah it is aim-esque um and it has the the spelling and the grammar is is remarkably good for a dms um not always on point with the uh uh capitalization of things but you know i mean i'm glad they didn't use emojis because they would have found a way to make emojis fucking skin crawling they do have that one emoticon that i think but i think it's Haley doing it and it has like the little squiggle and i was like i don't even want to know what that's oh yeah Haley literally at some point in this movie says I used one of those images of a smiley face after it. And I was like, whoa, did we not have the word yet? Yeah, I think, I can't remember. I was I was in college. I was between my, it was like after AIM. Because AIM was like, around 2004, AIM kind of went a little bit, yeah. maybe. Uh, 2005, 2006, I think it started to really dis- descend. Because was, that was when I was in the middle of college and stopped using it, so. yeah. But I think MySpace was. When, when like, did SwimFan come out? Because SwimFan swim is a viral marketing school, tool. Oh, sorry, for my high school. So I think it was like around 2003, 2004. Two, 2002. Okay. Because I, I keep getting that movie mixed up with number, like whatever, Crush or whatever. Whatever the one with Alicia Silverstone and she's like the f- number one fan or. Anyway, we're getting off drop off topic. <laughs> but um, we, we will cover the Jesse Bradford classic swim fan another day. Maybe who knows? Maybe we won't. Um, hopefully, I mean, let's get them all. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, the dialogue. I just, didn't, I just didn't want us to be committing to anything that I think can take back. It's like ah, you fucked us, and now we're stuck doing swim fan. <laughs> <laughs> Want to make sure we had an out in case. Yeah. Uh, well. Didn't want to speak I mean, for the team. Yeah. I so if you support us on Patreon <laughs> at a certain level, we will do swim fan. Um I have it can't be as painful we... as this. Huh? It's not gonna be as painful as this. So like... it, oh no, I'm it we can't be not I'm Babadook. This there's just, nothing is as disturbing and as uncomfortable as hard candy the way hard candy is disturbing and uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. I, as I think what Ben said earlier about Patrick Wilson, because I think this was the first thing I saw him in. So everything I've seen him in since, it's like, oh, he's delightful. This is great. <laughs> um, but I liked him in this when I first saw it. But yeah, watching it again as someone who is a fan of his later work, it is 
very skin crawly to see his charm put towards like a character that that is using that charm for something so fucking despicable yeah like it feels so disgusting in that coffee shop scene to me is everything he says everything like the way he talks the way he acts like the particular moves the lines like it feels so practiced yeah to him that he has done this before grooming one oh one yeah he had the gold frap like the gold frap uh recording ready just in case she asked just in case she brought it up because she brings up that concert and he says oh i have that so he probably like found it somewhere and just like and just downloaded it it was on just, napster or LiveWire yeah. or limewire yeah like <laughs> oh man now now i'm getting nostalgic <laughs> but she had to come to his house to listen to the mp3 because we all know there's no way to send mp3 to people through a computer yeah yeah <laughs> notoriously physical media that that mp3 <laughs> and yeah there's so much about like like you said it's very practiced it's very um if, if you went into this movie not knowing that Haley has very specific ulterior motives watching the way that she seemingly fawns over him i think is so much worse than if you don't know that there's something coming like there is if you just saw that scene on its own without any context it is i could not imagine being able to finish it you know what i mean yeah oh absolutely that's the only thing that makes that scene like i would have noped the fuck out and been like guys i can't do this one if i didn't know going into it like this is uh, her trapping him yeah uh, to, to the point i was getting at with the um descriptions that i saw a lot of people were describing this bit as like they have just a an innocent meetup at a coffee shop and i'm like no no <laughs> absolutely no. not there's no. nothing innocent about this even that barista who doesn't have a talking line his he speaks so much with the skeeved out expression on his face as he watches this go down i i want to say though for that guy um we know later we find out later on that the girl who went missing met him at Nighthawks, the same coffee shop. So I'm like, how many times has he seen this one guy like buy coffee for young girls? And why the hell isn't he saying something? Is 2006 really that old that maybe like there was a different person on shift that day? Maybe. But I just like it seems like <laughs> he uses that as his as part of his MO. And I'm just like does no one at that coffee shop notice that he keeps doing that? You know, I think he tries flagging out the chain and then, like, the manager comes by and is like, do you know how much of our business is pedophiles buying coffee? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 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 so much chocolate. Um, oh, God. And that first bit There's where, no like, schools he... anywhere around here. Who do you think's buying the coffee? <laughs> that bit that he does where he, like takes the chocolate off of her lips ah i like i i screamed at my tv so uh listener i have to describe the the, how everybody's like body just spasmed on this call we talked about that (laughs) like our our, yeah we just became like spiders dying it's brilliant writing or acting i'm not sure which probably both because like he is there for five seconds, and you're like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this guy. He's, 
I thought it was really he was in shadow for a lot of that first scene before before they actually show his face and it makes him seem very menacing right off the bat which I think was a really good was a really good like directional choice it's his first interaction where like he takes his thumb and wipes chocolate off her up before even confirming that she is the person he is there to meet what if that happened to just be a different 14 year old like girl I mean, that's at the coffee shop fucking monstrous this guy is um but yeah the dialogue in that scene is very important um because of just how fucking gross it is um like, and uh it's just like um he is guilty from the movie's opening seconds oh my god yes because yeah. at no point would someone not like guilty be in any of these situations or positions to even make these decisions at a starting point to begin with yeah, Haley shouts at him about this later on in the movie, and it's very, I will say this throughout throughout this podcast, that, like, as cringy as a lot of these parts are, there are a lot of part, points of catharsis just from Haley yelling at this horrible person and Absolutely. being like, when you are with a teenager, it does not matter if she is flirting. It does not matter. You are the adult. If she, if she wants you to make her a drink, you do not make her a drink. You tell yeah. her to leave. Yes. I was <laughs> you so... take away the alcohol. I was so happy that scene was there. Like it's such, I think that's a, one of the most important scenes in the movie because I feel like there it takes away people from taking like an easy out of not trying to uncritically examine it. Someone just want to be like, yeah. he's like, yeah, just be like, oh well, you know, like, well, she was flirting with him in order to ensnare him. So really, it's this. It's like no, no, at no in no way, shape, or form is he the victim like he he has been a perpetrator at every stage of the interaction that we've seen yeah Yeah, because in this this coffee shop scene she very much is like reeling him in like he's a fish like you know just and she's not doing a she doesn't have to do a lot anyway but she knows exactly what she's doing yeah because she she definitely like gives him out she talks about how 14 year old she is and like really plays up her innocence. There's a very, like, performance of, you know, being a 14-year-old innocent girl, like, in everything she's doing, in addition to her, like, actively flirting with him in a way that, like... And being an intellectual as well. If you were a normal Uh, dude, you would go, oh, this is incredibly uncomfortable. I need to leave now. (laughs) This conversation needs to be over. I need to go home. I need to wait four years for you. What yes. the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? No, the, the thing that really, one of the things that I was thinking of as you were talking, Jeremy, is when, first of all, I do love the little hint of what's to come when he points out the medical textbook and she she makes that comment about like, oh yeah, I'm helping my dad with his like grad students. And, and she says like, oh, I don't even know all of this stuff, but you know, I'm smart. I do my best. And mm-hmm. he immediately turns it sexual and it's like, so what do all those college kids think like when you're, are they looking at you and stuff? And it's like, dude, you are, she's not like baiting you with anything. You're the one that's, that's turning it. Like it is very, very obvious that he is trying to push it as far as he can go in public. <laughs> also yeah. this horrifying sense that like, well, I find this child to be a sexual object. So therefore 
other people yep therefore mm-hmm. it's a normal thing and other people must be treating this child as a sexual object it's like no you're a fucking monster the uh you look at, or you look older than you are you act older than you are so fucking cl- like those also, are lines no she doesn't she, yeah, looks, no. she looks extremely 14 yes <laughs> One of the things I thought when I first, because like I've seen this movie before, but it's been quite a while, and so, and you know we've just recently, Elliot Page has has shown selfies of himself as an adult, like very very recently, um, and so watching the beginning Looking of this movie, I was like, like oh, a boss. shit, oh shit, this character looks so damn young. <laughs> like yeah. there were times young. when the character is like describing herself as a girl and just because i'm like elliot page is elliot page he is him i had like my just like my subconscious like can't control like first thought was like no you're not you're a boy (laughs) they did have very like they had a lot of uh um interesting choices with the sexuality of 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 the character without like i mean it was still It's still super gross where like like showed the bra straps and stuff like that where there was a lot of these elements that you know the character was utilizing that a normal person would be i mean there's there is i don't want to get into um clothing policing so much but i felt like the way that the camera the the, the movie was shot and you had all these close-ups and all this kind of stuff really really uh accentuated that um aspect of the character the the um the gaze. Yeah. So one thing I noticed, especially in that first scene, is that we very rarely see Haley's face in the full frame. We almost always get a close up that is cutting off like the top or bottom of like her face. And I don't know what it all means, but we're never seeing the full. I don't know what the fuck it means, but I know it's an intentional choice. Yeah, well, I think it's an intimacy thing where you know you're you have no context for head it's all just face and so you get to see certain um details and and uh you have certain micro expression qualities that you would normally not pay so much attention to because you have the whole full context of the face Haley is so is such a beautiful cipher of a character i love how clear they are that absolutely nothing we know or are supposed to know about her is in any way likely to be the truth like yeah. we know nothing and at some point there's even the movie even suggests that there's something more elemental about her than even human and you know emily jerry i know we're all avid listeners now of old gods of appalachia and <laughs> the character of the boy who represents all of like the boys like of ex- who like were killed being exploited in the mines there's something like that the movie almost suggests that Haley is almost like that for like the just this roaming spirit of vengeance yeah I was almost expecting the character to be supernatural at some point I'm glad that they that that was not a thing yeah um you know more about Haley at the beginning of this movie than you do by the end yeah Yeah. Like, like by the end you're not even sure her name is Haley or where she's from, or why she's doing this, other than, like, she realized it needed to be done. Um, the only yeah. thing we know for sure is that after this movie's over, she's probably going to see a movie with a friend later friend, that night. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Like that seems that I, I'm pretty sure that phone call was real and that's it. Yeah. No, yeah. there are, there are a few moments when, when he's passed out where we get to see Haley actually, even if we don't get to hear things, the fact that we get to see her as like herself, even when it's like cleaning up, blood or wiping off her fingerprints i like the fact that it's not it's not like we're completely in his point of view it's we definitely know that there are parts of her that are outside of this i guess if that makes sense like i said it's not like she's some vengeful spirit she is just a human being who is pissed off yeah uh, but yeah, I one of the things I re- that really got to me in this watch was just the fact that Elliot Page is so good in it, and so good. it's like he is definitely like he's amazing. This he's, is an incredible like, performance. Yeah, and but I will, and I think that Wilson rises to his level, but it's always about it's always about Elliot just like commanding the screen. But those two work really well together, so I don't want to like dismiss Patrick Wilson's like awful awfully good performance yeah but, and they have great on the acting level chemistry yeah i, I want to put a lot of caveats like, before saying they have chemistry like yeah but they have actors like yeah and and like the intensity that you have to keep up with like with something like this especially when you're the only you're basically the only two characters is I cannot imagine how intense that was. And the fact that they really nailed it, I think says a lot about, about them as performers. And yeah, I just, were, I, yeah. You were saying how a lot of it feels like it could have been a play. Like so many of the monologues and the speeches that Elliot Page delivers are, they're commanding and stunning and captivating. And I could only imagine just how powerful they would be like delivered like live in a theater. So yeah. how good he would be. Yeah. Does this movie have any uh, award nominations? I didn't look that up. I don't know. It was a very small release. Yeah. Um, uh, I, re- I remember having worked at Blockbuster at the time that we got like uh, like two copies of it. Um, uh, it looks like it won some small film awards. Well, Elliot Page deserves an Oscar for this. This is an Oscar-winning performance. I mean, say what you will about the Academy, but, you know, whatever. This He won Best Actress at the Austin Film Critics Association Awards. Okay, well, Elliot, you deserve all the rewards, the actor awards. He does. All the good good actor in a movie awards, because holy shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the, like like we've been saying. There's only really two characters in this movie. Um, not not a lot of uh, extra padding to that. Um, and uh, I mean, I feel like this movie could almost be a short film too. I think it did. Like, it may have run a bit long for my taste in terms of like where the the escalation went. Um, but we'll get there. You know, as a play, I think it would be brilliant. Um, yeah, there are definitely some parts in this uh, where you're like, but why is there a third act? Like, yeah, <laughs> why why are we back to this this setup? Um, because like, I mean, we're not we're not talking about the plot too specifically, but like, you know, they you know they they go back to his place and they have this you know interaction there that is is skeevy from moment one, and then like. You go through a series of interactions where he is like tied up in different ways. <laughs> like, 
you know, because it, it starts with him in the chair tied to the chair and then moves with him tied to the table and then eventually, you know, moves with him, um, you know, in, in the noose, which like all of those feel like very, I mean, uh, I mean, that would be dangerous to do in an actual play, but all of those yeah. feel very potentially like, you know, you could go lights down and then come lights back up and, you know, a, a slightly different setup. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that would be difficult to do is the the video rig up and everything in in the middle section there. Yeah, well, this point of view is very important in this movie too. Um, like we we're talking about the close-ups and and the the um, juxtaposition of, of depth of field and stuff like that. This and what we must have gotten very dizzy at a few points in this movie because oh yeah, because that sucker we... spins around them a few times. Yeah, and then some things we only see bits of. Um, which, you know, works to the movie's credit, but, um, you know, I, I think that would be just distracting in, uh, uh, in a play, unless somebody was like turning a TV around, just being like, oh, balls, um, <laughs> what? So, uh, but yeah, so this is the, this first scene is horrifying and, um, just make sure that you have, you know, a, a neck exercise for after you see the film, because your neck will be just in your body. You know, your neck will have shrunken. Your chin will be on your sternum, uh, as you, uh, watch this whole scene. Um, and, and yeah. like how he has also how he has his like little fucking, whatever the fuck that car is, um, some European car. I don't even know. It's like, she's like, ooh, I gotta get in a car this nice, and it's like a Toyota minivan. That, that was the part where I was like, alright, Haley, you're laying it on a little too thick. <laughs> oh, wow, that's the coolest car. I'm like, you don't... That's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, that, that's I'm like, that's not a nice... Like, that's a... That is a fine car. That is a Volvo. Calm down. It's a European car. I don't know what brand it is, but it's of like that mid-tier. It's a mid-tier minivan. I think if there's something more going, I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's, a, it's European. I don't know. Part of me wonders if, if in the script it was a way like fancier car. They couldn't get it, so they're like, let's just make it this one. It has just buff all it up, real guys. nice. Oh my, that's so funny. I love the idea that it's like, well, this is the rental car Hertz gave Patrick Wilson, and so I think that's what we have to work with. Let's just put a real nice filter on it. And, then... <laughs> and they're like, he's also like the only person parked on the top of the garage, which I'm like, yeah, the, there's a lot of red flags. Later, the, the color red appears a lot in this movie, and that's because that's the color that the flags are. Um, that's the symbolism. The end. <laughs> Um, there's, I feel like the color usage in this movie, it's, it's good color usage. There's a lot of good warm and cool and it's, but it's very like, it's, it's artsy, but not too crazy. It doesn't really distract too much. It's, it's well done, but it's not like over the top. It's not like Hannibal, like here's my cobalt blue kitchen with herbs in it. And the light antlers. Yeah. Here's my, here's my, uh, table spread with like pearls and tentacles. I do find it interesting that even with the the giant photos on the walls of these like apparently all minor uh models that they the camera really does a good job of not dwelling on them a lot we hear about the pictures more than we see them and i I feel like the movie does an actually excellent job compared to other movies that talk about like girls being preyed on 
And at the, and I mean, we just talked about the gays a little bit before the G G A Z E, not yeah, yes, um, yes. and and just the fact that this movie is very careful to not accidentally sex like sexualize through the lens for for both the women that are on screen and also the ones that are on the walls. Yeah, yeah. that's um. We talked a lot about uh, that in the negative when we were talking about Cabin in the Woods where Cabin in the Woods talks a lot about sexualizing women in horror movies and then it just does it. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie makes that, like, it, it does a really great job of making the the sexualization just horrifying. Like, uh, absolutely horrifying. Like, the, the scene, you know, the scene builds up when we when we move from the parking lot to this this guy's house. Jeff. 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 The, the straight uh, up I love that we all thought of the same. It's what we do in the shadows joke. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yes. Honestly, there's the the way for all they talk about the photos on the wall. The camera spends really no time focusing on them. Like it's so subtle. I actually had to like just rewind two minutes just to make sure like I hadn't missed anything. And it's just like nope, they're just really that just real subtle in the background. Yeah, and, and there's think, stuff happening in some of those photos that's really upsetting, but we only see just tiny bits. I think the first part, I the first time I actually noticed any of the photos is in like just before the last scene where he's putting it back on the wall. Um, like, there's a lot of like really stuff that's over. It. Yeah, there's like it's never in it's never the focus of a shot. It's always like over someone's shoulder and a little bit blurry and out of focus. Yeah, except for when we get to the bedroom and then we aren't used to Janelle and that uh, all the weirdness of that character. I I feel like every time they're mentioning the pictures or they're looking at the pictures, we see sometimes Haley's face, but a lot of Jeff's face reacting to Haley looking at the pictures Mm -hmm. And, and both like him hiding his motives, but also reacting to the fact that he does have these pictures on the wall and like kind of trying to defend himself in a weird way. There's a really interesting back and forth of vulnerability that is going on that is really, really masterfully done in the dialogue of this movie and the interactions of these characters, especially as we build up. Because, you know, Haley is controlling her vulnerability in order to fish Jeff in. Um, And Jeff is also using his own vulnerability to try to appeal to Haley, but also, you know, there's there's a certain point, just like with a lot of these um focus inner inner interpersonal um character rea- or character dynamics that you get in these films um not i mean when i say these films i'm saying films that rely heavily on two uh pivotal characters not films that are about um uh pedophile torture yeah. <laughs> this is a this is an underused category of pedophile torture of films as in my opinion <laughs> um which doesn't as as you will hear later it does not reflect my my publishers or my uh, so uh maybe <laughs> as far as i know who knows um but uh the yeah the the nuance of their interactions and the the kind of things that they share with each other and you know the way that Haley brings in jeff and then you know starts asking him questions taking advantage of his vulnerability you know in order to um catch him off guard is just Jeff's kiss yeah there's a part where he's saying like no 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 and she's pushing him it was when they're talking about Janelle 
and he yes. finally says no and it's like the tone shift is very specific yeah and, it, and this is also you also see him get more nervous when you realize like that the drugs are working on him like there's a very specific it, wilson does a really good job of playing like slowly having the drugs go through a system and about to pass out and I, I just really appreciate, again, knowing that, like, going into this, knowing that his drink is drugged, it was fun to, not fun, but it was, it was interesting to watch him act through that and make it actually, like, build on itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it, this is the point um, where they're at his house and uh, she, he offers her alcohol. Cool. Totally, a, totally, yeah. Hated totally it. Move. Yeah. Hated it. Um, and then She'd she be says, like, well, you want a drink? I've got water, iced tea, and soda pop. That's yeah. it. Those are the options. Maybe orange juice, but no vodka, just orange. Yeah. Vitamin and then C. She says, I'll never make <laughs> anything, or I'll, I've, you know, I've been taught to uh, not drink anything that I haven't mixed myself, which is, I mean... Which it's Which great is brilliant because he tells her how smart that is, and then and he uh, takes, takes takes a drink from her. Um, yeah, like she mixes his drink mm. as well, um, and you know, and he and just can't even fathom her fighting back or her taking control of taking control away from him. Threat, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, he sucks so much. Oh, he's so terrible. <laughs> I know. Oh. I know. Mm. Um, this whole fuck. This movie's so fucking skin crawling. Yes. However. Um, however, yes, you don't need that skin. Fuck off. I mean, he doesn't. Let it but, crawl. <laughs> I mean, we'll get there. The so she makes the cocktail, and you can imagine that he's like, I will, I will humor her because she probably is going to make a shitty cocktail, and I'm going to be like, Oh, you're, you know, you're so mature for your age. Wait, uh, um, if anybody ever says that to you, shoot them with your phone camera and then send that photo to the catch predator. Um, anyway, uh, he does shoot. This guy shoots models for a living. That's one thing that he does say. Um, and uh, so she's looking at the photos and she's like, oh, how many of these models have you done? And he's like, well, I haven't done any. I haven't had sex with any of them. They're all underage. Um, Ate it. Yeah. Hate it all. Yeah. Yeah. I and don't have then, sex with them. I just put up their bodies all over my house. Before yeah. before he says they're underage though, he says, Well, they have handlers. I'm like, that should not be the first reason why you aren't having sex with them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The all the like that's another thing. So the order of how he frames all these all of these questions or all the answers to these questions. Um, you know, flags there. Right? The red crimson. The bloody crimson flags. Except for the bathroom, not the bathroom, except for the bedroom, which is pink, which is like super weird, like candy pastel pink, which is also like horrifying in this film. That was like pastel surrealism. That felt yeah, it was almost like Pepto Bismol like... pink. Also, wasn't the bed facing all the pictures of his ex? It felt like yeah. a little Twin Peaksy, like that bedroom. Yeah, I mean, there was the, the staging, again, like the use of color and staging is, is artful. Um, and uh, what we find out about Janelle, because 
Now, Haley intuits, and I'm making quotes, intuits this. Um, and later on, we find out that Haley's been doing some work, some, some, a little bit of uh, background work on Jif. Um, but uh, this is where she starts really getting him on um, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? I need to look at the source before I do these shows. <laughs> uh, she gets him off balance. What are words? I well, I love because to me, like like I said before, once she says her "carpe omnium," take it all. Yeah. Uh, that's where the movie changes. That's where, even if you knew nothing about this movie's prem- premise, I feel like that's where, you, like you would know, oh, the energy has shifted yeah it's different um she also says she's a goon which for whatever reason i was like is she on something awful like is that a th- is that but i think it's a different well she has that line to you like four out of five doctors agree that i'm insane which i know is just like a silly nonsense line but much like the two base it does make me imagine the scenario where it's just four out of it's just five doctors in a room four of them going like she's fucking like insane y'all like we we the non-ableist dot the totally like not completely <laughs> ableist and non-biased doctors diagnose her with cuckoo pants and <laughs> one doctor just being like she's fine, fine to me. yeah fine. i i see nothing wrong where did she get those balls though i i really wanted to know what i i mean i didn't but i also wanted to know like what those were like maybe those were aaron's balls like I, what were the like? What were the props of those? Like, how did the props department make those? It just looked like you know mochi. Well, to me, it's also yeah. like was he able to see mochi. any? Like, I'm just. I guess it was. I feel like it, he saw just as much I'm, of it as we it, did. Like, he can see the video, which we find out later. The video is not really what's going on. It's a you know video that she's playing, um, and it's uh, <laughs> that led me to the question of. Would I recognize my balls on a, on a video being shot from beneath me while I was laid across I, the table? I can honestly, I can honestly say, you know what? If you showed me cutout testicles, I don't know what those might look like. I mean, the cut, like I, the cutout part. I mean, definitely not. But like where she's supposedly filming it, and like it's actually a video of you know this perform this surgery being done. I was like, who wouldn't? Well. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Would he know? Would you look at it and be like, those are definitely not my balls? Uh, <laughs> I mean, adrenaline, he's been drugged, you know. That would be like great if the scene, if like, if we get halfway through the scene, he's just like, hold up. That's not my scrotum. I'm taking away too many shots. Where is from my... that exact angle? <laughs> like, I know, I know you he's drugged He's a photographer. Me, but... Like, yeah. Look, I may be drugged and threatened, but I know my telltale scrotal birthmark, and that's not there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, um, yeah, Car- Carpe Omni, um, Carpe Omnius is they bottoms up, they drink, and then uh, Haley's like, "Oh, take photos of me," and then starts taking off the clothes, which is like where you're, you know, that's like the fucking, you know, this the you know the reactions in 2001 space odyssey when dave like the you know cuts from like all this shit happening and then it's like dave's crazy ass face like in the fucking helmet where he's like yeah it's like that was me you know like i was like you know trying really hard not to look 
Um, and fortunately, there's a lot of blurring and a lot of, you know, you don't really see much. And then dude passes out and then he wakes up and he's tied to a chair. Well, I feel like it's important we get a glimpse at, like, Patrick Wilson, this yes. character is in those moments before. Because he spends the vast majority of the movie putting on some um, mask of innocence, of victimhood. Um, the moment he picks up the so, camera... Uh, yeah. of like being a manipulator once that camera comes out we get this aggressive controlling um like they only shoot in present. the studio you have to go in there yeah like it's just it's this peak beneath the mask at this monster that's actually there and it's just like it as if again if god forbid the first 11 minutes 12 minutes of this movie haven't made you want to just hurl yourself into the ocean then um, I'll sign let you know like okay no everything that's going on in the rest of the movie no he is not innocent this is why like this is him the real him that he is going to spend Haley, the rest of the movie hiding Haley also mentions that in I, for, I think it was when he's tied to the chair but it might also be it might also be when she's about to to do yeah. this but she says oh, like I heard, voice I heard how you're yeah Everything yeah. yeah, his voice dropped. He was yelling, you know, and he was freaking. Yeah, he was like becoming aggressive. Yeah, he um, does that again, like at the very end when he oh, like, yeah. runs yeah. around with his knife. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a couple, there's a bits of dialogue right before this that I've, I have in my notes that I forgot to mention that I really, really want to mention. Um, when they're talking about Janelle, he says under his breath, I learned everything I knew practicing on her. So hate yeah, hate that. I thought that was important. I just want to highlight that. And, you know, good job, script writers, for making that horrible and, and awful in every way. Um, then there's the part where he talks about taking photos of the models. And he says, most people open up from weakness. No one wants to see photos of weak people. And this is a challenge. Um, this is like him being like, only people, only strong people open up and are vulnerable for me. You know, this don't you want to be strong and yeah. yeah, don't you want to be strong and don't you, yeah. So this is like the, the, just the fucking horrible venom in that, uh, like, uh, um, you know, I wanted yeah, to, are you strong enough to show me your 14 year old body? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when he said that it was before the fucking photo shoot and all, you know, of, and him yelling, I mean, I wanted to cut off his balls before that. But this was where, like, I was like, yes, I would like to see this man set up Hannibal, like, in several different pieces on a table by the end of this film. Um, but yeah, so. Good news. This would have been the director to make a Hannibal, like, death situation happen. Yeah. And there we go. Um, so now he's tied up. He starts yelling and um, she sprays stuff in his mouth. And I'm not sure if it has anything in it but she's like the next time it's going to be bleach yeah i think it's some sort of cleaner it's yeah not, it's a non-bleach cleaner it's something that is bad to have sprayed in your mouth um and go ahead um right right when he's starting when he's almost conscious and he's pretty sure he's in a bad situation he says something like oh i didn't think we'd get to bondage this soon and she oh, just has this look of loathing like, and, yeah. like she because has he's drugged him 
unconscious and tied him up, and he still thinks this is a sex thing. I honestly see it as he's pretty sure, but he's playing it innocent because if he plays it any other way, then he'll definitely give himself away. It is. I mean, it is the first thing like he says after being roused from unconsciousness. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to maintain control of the situation as much as possible constantly. Um, And (laughs) he was saying, is this some kind of teenage joke? And she says, teenage? Yes. Joke? No. Uh, The lines... Haley has and the speeches she delivers are just Mwah. and and again Elliot does such a such a brilliant job of making it not sound like like I don't want to say petulant because that I feel like that's maybe insulting to teenagers in general but there yeah. are a lot of ways in which a, a lesser performer wouldn't pull off the intensity or the like danger in those lines is so good and it makes me want to see him like play a villain in like future movies because i feel like he would just nail some villain roles yeah i mean this is i have a lot of i have a lot of emotions about this (laughs) um but yeah so that line is some kind of teenage joke who on the who in the world has ever said is this some kind of teenage joke i was like what does that even mean maybe you thought it was a meme (laughs) You use the word shenanigan. I'm I'm going to really bounce very very quickly to a, a to a line that I in the first scene in the coffee scene that I did want to bring up, yes. where the book one of the books that Haley brought was about Gene Seberg, who yes. who and I'm I hope that I'm not mis like misspeaking about her life. But the way Haley mentions it is, oh, she slept around a lot and then killed herself. What really happened was she was treated like garbage by every man in Hollywood. Yes. And, and like her life is very much about grooming and all like there are reasons why Haley brought that book in in preparation yeah. for this for this day. Yeah, she slept that <laughs> she slept with all the wrong people. And Haley says, I intend to sleep with all the right people. So, um, you know, that's a part of our setup there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry. I just, I, I saw that in my notes. And I was like, shoot, I need to, I need yeah, to. No, that, that's a good, that's a good call because I, I think I put that in my notes as well. Um, and there's a few interesting little, uh, allusions in here. Um, I don't know if we're going to go find all of them, but, um, yeah. Um, he gives him a lot of cues and red flags, especially in that mm-hmm. first scene in the coffee shop, where it's like, yeah. "Are you, are you monster enough to keep going past all of these red flags?" You know, yeah, to, to still do this. Yeah, I also think the the simplicity of the set design and everything means that when they do put in these illusions, they're really like they really pop, it, especially if you know if you know the context of them, which I thought was kind of cool. It all. Yeah. Also feels like this movie loves not doing a traditional transition, but instead doing this like transition to like the side and then it goes to like a out of focus color and then we keep rotating back into like the scene change. Like the movie really likes playing with our sense of time and continuity by just keep by just I feel like playing with these transitions. Yeah. And it's not too overwrought. I wonder how he got the gig on Hannibal. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so 
yeah now we have this this scene is mostly Haley um porn search scene uh also where we uh get a literal Chekhov's gun um yeah yeah I had that in my notes like ooh, the actual Chekhov's gun we have Chekhov's gun we have Chekhov's knife rack Although um I um I appreciate that like uh, I was looking at trivia about this and apparently the the bit where Patrick Wilson it'll be later in this gets the gun apparently like rather than like rather than work something out and like really choreograph it uh Patrick Wilson apparently just uh told David Slade like yeah just put it on the bed I'll figure it out like <laughs> I'll, I'll get to it so like this whole bit of him like jump jumping backwards and rolling across the bed to pick up the gun while still tied to the chair is apparently just all Patrick Wilson which like that's fantastic bravo that scene that sequence is great there's so much physical acting from him considering all the talking that that really like like I said there's probably a reason why he looks so sweaty I've never seen anyone do so much physical acting while constantly being tied down to things yeah Yeah, and I'm sorry Oh, I was going to say, like, I don't know if they use makeup, but his hands were blue. Oh, yeah. Apparently, apparently during one of those scenes, Patrick Wilson passed out. So, okay. One of the scenes where he's tied down to the table and trying to get loose. Apparently, he he blacked out at some point during that. Oh, fuck. We know all that sweat was, that was not just a mystery. Legit sweat. Yeah. That was Elliot Page legit. Yeah, that was just Elliot Page legitimately trying to keep like Patrick Wilson from dying of dehydration. Why yeah. are you being so nice, mate? Well, you are my scene partner. It's like it's like we're not acting anymore. Like he said, cut. I'm just trying to keep you alive now. Um, oh, you're still rolling. Okay, cool. I'll, I, I'll figure it out. One of the things I that came to me, and I don't think this is even like there's not a huge connection. It just like it, it stuck with me is that the last time I saw a horror movie where someone has someone tied to a rolly chair and is rolling them around was It Follows. And I found it really oh, interesting yeah. that the genders are reversed in that. Yeah. Um, so, again, I don't think that means anything. I just was like, wow, that can, that image yeah. can get out of my brain. But if yeah. you're listening to this episode and you haven't downloaded our It Follows episode, check that out. It's a fun time. It's it is this movie makes it look like uh, the magical labyrinth adventure. This it follows is a relaxing comfort food movie next to hard candy. Yeah, and that is to say that it follows is not actually a relaxing comfort food movie. It is a spicy meatball. Haley is running around the uh, running around the house looking for porn. Um, sure that uh, Jeff has horrible porn stashed away somewhere, and is going through all the stuff. Uh, finds the gun, can't find the porn, finally figures out that uh, he has a, a safe built into his rock garden. Um, and this is not up. like a Zen sand rock garden. This is just like, instead of a fucking coffee table, he has a pit full of rocks in the middle of his house. Now, I assume he doesn't have any pets, because if he did, that would be either full of piss or the house would just be full of rocks that the pets have carried other other places. Still, kind of wild to have a pit full of rocks in the middle of your house. It's me, maybe. They so were saying that rock pits maybe. are a red flag. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or unless you're doing, like, hot rock, like, cooking. But you would need, like, a hood over that, I think. That'd be tasty, though. 
yeah i mean like that would be cool like you know like in the japanese style like have have the the living room have like that like your fire area and then the hot rocks and you can cook or you can cook the rock something or like you could do something with cobbler like fire pit-esque yeah 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 but they're just hot rocks you know i think this is an innovation um i'm i'm copywriting that too it's way better than having a a safe full of awful 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 material so yes yeah. i agree yeah although yeah. i think she should have thrown a few of those rocks just at him but apparently, before before she got attacked but yeah apparently yeah. the blueprints of this house are based on producer david higgins's house um, david higgins what is david up with higgins the rocks? does in fact have a, a rock garden like this um, Does his rock garden also have a safe? What is he keeping uh, his yeah. rock garden safe? Specifically, <laughs> specifically uh, this uh, <laughs> these notes say uh, that uh, Elliot Page mentioned that he did in fact have a rock garden, but that he did not know if there was a uh, porn se- porn filled safe concealed in the middle of the rock garden. So, Dave, Dave Higgins. This is a call out. This is a call out. Um, I mean, you so have we're giving safe, you a David. chance uh, at us, Prague Horror Pod, or you know, you could at me, Mega Moth. You may not want box? to. Because, yeah, what's, what's in the box? David? What's in the what? What's in the box? What's in the box? I'm, glad, box? I, I'm glad I'm not the only one who had a seven reference in their notes when it came to the box. I <laughs> that was uh, yeah. I missed that opportunity. Anyway, the box is full of horrible child porn that we thankfully don't have to see. Yeah. Um, and that Haley says... This is what they make the federal laws for. Federal laws for, yeah. And yeah. specifically says, like, the federal laws for Jeff. And every yeah. time she adds that Jeff on the end, it's just like a knife. Just, but oh, I think... so good. And I think it's also it really... really is the perfect name, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. No offense to like my brother-in-law whose name is Jeff and who is a perfectly lovely human being. You know what? I'm going to go the other way. Offense very much intended to all the Jeffs. (laughs) I know a few good Jeffs. Jeffs everywhere. You, Jeff, this is a call out. Either start spelling it G-E-O-F-F or find it. These are my favorite movies, Emily. A few good Jeffs. My cousin Jeff. Like, oh, very good. I'm saying... Oh, wait. Well, my cousin Jeff is G-E-O-F-F. So there we go. Yeah. But one of the things I think was really important, and, and maybe one of the things where, like, I swear, I swear I've heard someone who's watched this movie be like, well, are we really sure what was in that safe? And it's like, no, she makes it extremely clear yeah. exactly what yes. she's looking at. Yes. Just yeah. because we yes. don't see it because the movie has enough, like, has enough decency to not show us something in like a creepy ass way or like not to show, you know, that to an audience. I mean, I'm going to go out on, uh, I'm going to stake out a claim that I hope isn't too controversial. I'm going to say, yes, movie, you made the right call. Not showing (laughs) me explicit child porn. Good job. Thanks for that. Otherwise you should be in jail. (laughs) But, But I feel like it was really important for her to, to legitimately like find it and then be fucking like that, that kind of justifies all of her act, at least like, at least movie wise, whether or not you feel her actions later, you know, whatever, but it, but it definitely is like, I'm going to find this before I do anything else. And she finds it. I got to that. The castration scene was so upsetting that everything that came after was, I'm like, this is fine. I have no issues with it. Like, <laughs> like 
even like the news, everything. I'm like, yeah, you know, this all this all beats the forced castration. Like, yeah, this is go for it. <laughs> um, there's a few things that he's like he he desperately tries to appeal all the classic ways. Like he's like, oh, I I I take photos of, um. Environment. Environmental, <laughs> yeah, a fucking Captain Planet. Um, bringing that back around. Yeah, why why aren't yeah. there giant pictures of trees on your walls? I was Jeff? gonna yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, if your if your fucking uh, charity work is so important to you, you know. Um, why is it only the teenage girls yeah. on your wall, Jeff? I mean, uh, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. I, I, I love trees, Jeff. I loved how Jeff was just trying to defend himself and explain himself, and Haley was there to just cut down everything he had for how dishonest or self-serving it was. There's yeah. a part when I think he's still in the chair where Haley is saying, "Oh yeah, I chose today because your neighbors are gone and mm-hmm. like blah blahs in there." He's like, "So you've been stalking me?" He's like, "Let's get something straight. You've been stalking me. I am yeah. a child." <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you followed me from one chat room to another to another. And as soon as and as soon as my other my like alter egos uh, were a few years, they didn't even say he. She didn't even say like adults. She just said like a few years older than what you wanted. You moved yeah. on. So it's like Jesus was it like sixteen year olds? He's like, oh, too too old for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay. He's, then he starts going on the attack and is like trying to appeal to her insecurity and stuff like that. And she starts being like, oh, 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 you thought I would fall for that. Um, which is Daddy fantastic. issues. <laughs> like, maybe you, maybe I remind you of your father. I'm like, oh, oh Jeff, this isn't going to work. It's yeah, so, so. Not even a little finally, bit. He finally starts crying when she finds the evidence in the locker or in the safe in the rocks, the rock safe. Um, and we don't see it. We do see a picture of the girl that had been missing. Um, yeah, says, what's so special her. about her? Why does she get to keep her clothes on? Which like is further evidence of like what's actually, what else is in that box? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's when he attacks her specifically. Like he, when kicks her, he kicks her into the side of the table and she busts her head open. And yeah. Then, he rolls his ass into the uh, bedroom and does some some ninja shit on the bed to get that that gun. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck off, American Ninja Warrior. Have you seen Patrick Wilson tied to a rolling chair? Okay, so I think he that we should think. add. He can act. He can he can get out of restraints really quite well. Where's the reality show where people are like getting out of you know their restraints? Actually, no, you know, no, no, the. Let's not. I mean, they've already done horrible things on reality television. We don't need to give them some ideas. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Escape rooms, um, but make it horror. I'm actually, I'm actually going to TM that idea so (laughs) nobody can buy it and make it a fucking show. So if you make that show, you owe me money. I will sue you. Yeah, and uh, this is this is the first of many incredibly uncomfortable things that happen uh, now because she. saran wraps his face to get him to stop trying to shoot her which boy i didn't like that (laughs) i didn't like that at all and yeah he passes out and then he wakes up tied to a table with a bag of ice on his junk i I do like the fact that after he passes out 
we do get to see Haley in a moment of vulnerability alone. And she's pissed. She's clearly pissed at herself for not. And also she's in pain from, yeah, from her head. From all that. But it, it's another time when I'm really glad we got to see, we got to see bits and pieces outside of how Jeff looks at her. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, she's in hospital scrubs now. Um, and he's like, Oh, I'll do whatever you want. I'll let you go. You know? And she's like, well, you might, um, you have all this evidence and he's like, I'll, I'll go I'll tell the cops, whatever you want. I'll show them the evidence, you know, go to prison. Uh, my life will be ruined. And she's like, didn't Roman Polanski just win an Oscar? <sighs> um, so that was, good, that, that was a good dig. I was, that was very appropriate of the movie to just call Hollywood the fuck out for city. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's the kind of line they would have made him take out with a $2 million budget. <laughs> keep that under $1 million, you get to keep bagging on Polanski. <laughs> um, yeah. that, that's interesting because when we were trying to figure out what movie to watch for this, we did talk briefly about Rosemary's Baby. And I was like, yeah. man, that makes me uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't want to promote that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did think about that when I was watching. I was like, hmm, well... It all it all ties back together. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about Polanski in the end and tell him he's a fucking monster creep. Yeah. We hate him. One of these days, I'm sure we'll talk about Lyle, which is Rosemary's baby, but uh, both both the main characters are women and uh, married. Yeah, uh, yeah. To each other, yeah, to, yeah, uh, to each other. <laughs> that, married that's to each other. To, yes. Not not just married in general. <laughs> yeah, the, the the creepy husband. In Rosemary and Lyle is also a woman, so I don't know. I don't know if it's better or worse that way. Yeah, well, we'll I don't know, Mary. You know what? It's why I say like it's a good thing whoever Black Widow's husband is. It's a good thing he died because Black Married Lady just doesn't have the same <laughs> ring as a superhero name. <laughs> Black, Black Mrs. Black Wife. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm kind of mad about Jeremy came up with Black Misses, though. I'm like, shit, that works. That sounds like some Noir Assassin shit. Yeah, fuck. Damn you, Black Jeremy. Black Mistress. Damn you, Jeremy. You're so creative. <laughs> That's the reason he's got the, what? the art. Marvel. What? He's got the Marvel stuff. I don't know. <laughs> the eyes are not look. as well. This movie, is, this movie made our skin crawl and deep fried our brainy brains. Um... Yeah, I'm one of those. I'm, <laughs> I'm on the side of like now the movie's good. Now I'm like I'll sh- I would love to show a lot of people this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, this is where she ties him up and and begins the process of continuing to prod him for information while telling him that he is she is numbing him because she plans on uh, manually castrating him by this, a surgery. I I I couldn't deal with this scene. Like this scene was making me so uncomfortable. I actually had to just like run to wikipedia and just get like a few little spoilers about it where about how it ended just because i i I was screaming like it was so so uncomfortable like i i was at the point where i was just like just shoot him like like, anything anything other than like this forced castration like yeah he's he's fighting and crying and uh tells her a story about uh his his aunt and his young cousin which, like, it's unclear whether it's true or not, but, I mean, I don't feel like there's any reason for it not to be. Um, yeah. 
but like about it still uh, doesn't excuse anything yeah, yeah it's, a, anything. It, it's a weird story that i feel like is also kind of sugar-coated by him where he talks about oh yeah when he's like yeah. i didn't do anything i'm like you've lied about so many other things yeah 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 why why do i think that why would i think that this is an unbiased telling of what happened yeah um, he talks about you just nothing it's <laughs> just yeah. like and we're all set yeah and then well he talks about how he was the victim of his aunt who got pissed off at him because you know apparently she found uh her daughter naked on him because and this is when he was like nine or whatever and the daughter was like totally in his i hate it oh i again patrick wilson's great i i hate jeff jeff's awful yeah and yeah I'm happy for all of the horrible things that happened to Jeff, except for the forced castration, except for the castration scene, which just goes on for so long. It's not a short sequence. Well, that's the thing is that the the short the the short sequence. Not sorry, words are just firing in my mind. Um, the long I, sequence, the opposite. I it did. Is, it's a long sequence, like, and it's so very close. It's shot incredibly close because yeah. there's several points where you're like, I can't. I'm not really sure what's happening. Like, I wish they just pull out a little bit, which I, I think is very intentional. Like, they're forcing you to be uncomfortably intimate with both of the characters. Like, to I, be yeah, I, right up in Jeff's sweaty, crying face. There, there's also a lot of very specific sound design. Yes. <laughs> like the shaving. Like, and... Yeah, I mean, it's like the Jaws thing. Like, you might not, you might not see anything, but we're making sure all of your other senses are like... Ugh. I, I also had the thought where I'm like, wait a minute, is Patrick Wilson going to spend the rest of the movie Winnie the Poohing it where he's still got his shirt, but just no pants? <laughs> I, I, I hate that you made that. I hate that he put on pants. <laughs> I, 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 I prefer Donald ducking it. Thank you. <laughs> either way, it's not great. I, I will say, so, um, you know, we're we've been talking a lot about, like, gender in terms of the actors in this movie. And, um, and, but she actually gave me permission to talk about this, but I, my girlfriend was in the room because she works from home right now. And so she, her desk is where the TV is. And yeah. we were, she was mostly not paying attention because she had like other stuff to do, but we were talking about this movie and she said that one, she's not very good with blood in general, but she said that the castration scene, like she, she said, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to really sit down and watch this movie for a long time because it's just kind of messing with my head too much. And there's a lot in terms of just everything about, about that aspect of the movie that throws her off a lot. I, um, I, so, yeah. I can only begin to imagine like yeah like especially on the binary trans element i know as a non-binary person it was clarifying for me to help me just like pinpoint where i feel more on the spectrum <laughs> of just the visceral like oh no no i, I am so, with those staying right where they are just, like i was also like a lot of in for trans women, and I'm not talking, this is just like my general information, but like when a lot of trans women are looking into like not super educational information online, there'll be a lot of like short story or like stories that 
that other like in the closet trans women have written about forced like castration or forced gender change. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of triggering stuff in this movie in terms of that, even though obviously Jeff is not a trans woman and and like trans women are not like Jeff, obviously. But I think that there's a lot in terms of this particular part of the movie that kind of like I said, can be very triggering for for uh, trans people. So yeah, anything I mean, anything that involves genital mutil- um and yeah. <laughs> true, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like the yeah, the the any like the forced forced ca- yeah, um, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it is. it is uncomfortable to watch. It is uncomfortable to think about. Uh, it is uncomfortable to consider in the context of of you know everything. <laughs> yeah yeah so but she's got him in in this particular sequence um she's got him on the table then she has a camera set up and i guess she has it you know she says that she has a setup so it's feeding to the tv so he can watch it happen and that's where we have the uh um the footage that we see sort of very vaguely in the background um just like just out of focus to let you know that it's there yeah um and uh you know there's a lot of there's a lot of build up to it and then it happens it is very anticlimactic and uh Haley says something like i wonder why they just teach girl scouts camping and selling cookies because this is really useful <laughs> and she's like well that was easier than i thought and then she yeah. holds up balls question mark and that shot are just glasses like, yeah just like a shot glass of balls I don't know what those are like prop boys yeah like, i i didn't want to i don't want to freeze frame or zoom in yeah but if the prop person behind hard candy happens to listen to this podcast and wants to write in that'd be a big yeah help. let us yeah. know like us what know. do I, what do i google to find that out like hard candy testicle prop i wouldn't i mean I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah on my but, that's um, an incognito window but i'm pretty sure the nsa still sees those oh yeah <laughs> um and then she she says how far did or let's see how far they bounce <laughs> and then they're like oh wait but you're an we can't because what if an animal eats them and i know how much of an environmentalist you are the amount yeah. of just casual of just casual like i'm just being a complete asshole to this guy uh, i mean that, traumatized. that one i love just how he's like i can't be a pedophile i photograph nature <laughs> um the uh the garbage disposal noise where she like disposes of them in the garbage disposal is probably one of the worst noises in the movie that that oh sorry i was gonna say i don't know what they put in that garbage garbage disposal maybe it was just as how well they set up the context i don't know but good job sound designer that that particular garbage disposal noise just sounded so fucking gritty my um my uh captions when she actually like did it and there was an actual like bracket snipped brackets and i was like that's a very specific yeah specific sound i feel like those two are really the biggies and the fact that there's so little like at least for this part of the movie there's so little background music it really is like you can hear everything oh can we talk during the forest castration scene how we get the brief break for Again, this was very confusing. Elliot, like from, I guess from Haley's characters, be like, okay, I gotta keep low, keep a low profile. Let me just chill out on the roof for a little bit. 
Yeah, I don't know what that... I think that was, like, installing the rope. I think that's what it was supposed to be. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. But the way we get our... Not introduction to Sandra O's character, but at least our foreshadowing that she exists is right after we get introduced to this horrible news that we're going to spend the next 10 minutes on a forced castration implication scene. Uh, We just get the pruning shears just snipping off a rose. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I didn't didn't actually catch that. That's pretty good. I was about to say, someone's watched uh, Udina, but I don't think think the rose... (laughs) that in Udinese, so. No, I, mean, I think that was just pretty like, yeah, yeah, this is what we're doing. Snip, snip. When the rose is knocked off the chest in Utna, I think that that's a little bit more about what that's about, yeah. but not the Hopefully actual. it's time. more Yannick, but yeah. Well, I mean, the rose is always like. I'm going to say in metaphor, the rose represents a penis and the scissors represent scissors. Yeah, that sounds solid. This movie's so deep. Yeah, it's such um such cutting commentary um anyway um <laughs> very sharp it just felt like the movie to being like i'm like really like even now like you're just doing one more way to just make me squirm <laughs> um so we find out after after the procedure uh Haley goes to take a shower and then um uh Jeff managed to wrest his purple hands from the ropes and he realizes that his balls have just been um, pinned with like a bag clip. I thought it was a hair. Oh, maybe it was a bag clip. Yeah, yeah. it was like maybe like a big bag silver clip. bag clip. And, you know, he's all there. We don't see any actual on camera his balls. The only balls we see are on the TV in the background very, very briefly. So, you know, at least we are we are given that mirth but um he's he goes after Haley, and then um but he first like, he it oh. doesn't at first he thinks about dialing 911 yes and he's like but anything so again it's like really driving home the fact that like not that he we know he's not innocent but if he really wanted to have any kind of redemption and just like get rid of her without hurting her he could have done it in that moment and instead he gets angry and he grabs the scalpel. Not even redemption. Yeah. If he just wanted to prioritize straight survival, he could have just run the fuck out the door. Yeah. 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 Run and never and never stopped. Yeah, she's but she's grabbed, going to but take he a likes hurting women, we find out. So like, yeah. Yeah. He, and if, he and rushes like, to go stab her in the shower, at which point she pops up behind him and tases him into the shower. Um Multiple which, times tases which him. Her plan really depended on then him making that to prioritize going after her over his own survival, which may seem like a just that she knew him well enough to do that, or b just like it was like okay, here is like giving you one last chance to get out of it, like one chance to, even though you're totally guilty, to pick any other path but the worst path. And she just had that much confidence, rightly so, that he just, there is no changing. There is no redemption that he just, he is just this monster through and through at yeah. every level. And this is the point in the movie where I was like, well, do we need this act? Do we need this third act? Um, and I feel like it's important, you know, also having talked about this, I think it, you know, more, more, um, 
I, I am I'm a little bit more assuaged in the, the idea that there's more to this movie, even though there's like a lot of twists and turns that I feel like, okay, well, he's tied up again and tied up again. Um, because, you know, there's a certain point where I would have been happy being like, okay, he lost his balls. Then what? But then, you know, there was still like another half an hour of the movie left or so. Um, and, uh, you know, because I've ultimately the end game here, as we see now after the tasing scene, um, is to convince Jeff to commit suicide. And I'm not sure, like, I mean, initially I'm like, oh, make him live with his consequences. Um, and that would be, a, that would have been my ideal, like, punishment for that. I mean, that also is me. I I think my issue with the, I'm the plan to talk Jeff into suicide is how much of it is really dependent on Janelle, like this other unrelated woman whose approval Jeff values over his own life. Like that's kind of an X factor that's kind of outside where it's like, it's even to the point of like, cause again, if there's no Jeanette, which again, I'm not sure if Haley knew that that's a person who existed before being in Jeff's home. Like, does the plan work or does he just like attack her on the, like shoot her on that rooftop? Yeah. It's uh, it feels pretty overwrought in some cases, but you know, it does show more of his character, um, especially with the not dialing 911. Um, but we have him, he's, he's sort of set up in the kitchen, um, which makes me wonder like why we have the, the rope on the roof anyway, but maybe, you know, that was just a precaution. I'm really confused by the layout of this house. And apparently you have to go outside to get to other parts of it. Yeah. I, 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 I think, think there's that's just, just exterior doors that you can go around and go in the other door. Um, yeah. I don't think you have to do that. You do have to go outside to get up on the ladder and go up to the roof. The roof I will is, say, the roof is not a feature. The one thing about the simplicity of the house and like the set design is that it can be kind of easy to lose track of where you are. Like, I did not realize that the hanging scene was actually in the kitchen until you just said that. But that makes yeah. more sense that like, that he can hear the whole conversation yeah. so I, I think maybe that's one of the maybe negatives or at least like cons to having such a simple design and maybe didn't like i think that there's something to be said for for at least later on it's easy to get lost in where you're supposed to be in this like very specific set yeah there was uh yeah there's some sort of labyrinthine qualities to that house too with like the division walls and everything um, yeah. So yeah, he, she, uh, Haley strings him up in the kitchen. Uh, he's on a chair, uh, ready. You know, ready. All he has to do is is jump off to hang himself. Um, and she is giving him the chance to go ahead and kill himself rather than, uh, you know, face the the other possible consequences of his actions. Um, uh, in, instead, uh, we. <laughs> We get to meet uh, Ms. Uh, Judy Takuda, who is the uh, neighbor from Four Doors Down, who uh, does not give a fuck who looks out for her kids. Uh, she, is, <laughs> she she meets a bleeding 14-year-old girl, and her first reaction is, do you babysit? Uh, you appear to be bleeding from the head. You are very sweaty. You are very pale. 
do you babysit? You walk around on the roof in scrubs. I yeah. mean, maybe. She does not seem at all weirded out by the fact that she's been running. Uh, oh, Haley's been running before... around in scrubs too. Oh yeah. my goodness! Like, I want to know about Sandra O's kids. Like, I need to know about her kids. Like, what the fuck's going on that? She's just constantly going through babysitters and it's just on the lookout for any teen, no matter their gaping head wound, who can look after her kids. Maybe it's like an Adams family situation where they need to find like someone who can really handle these uh, diabolical children. I did like how earlier how sweaty Patrick Wilson is becomes partly a plot point when he essentially manages to sweat himself loose from the oh, ball, yeah. from the rope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also this is this this part is the second the second mention of Girl Scouts, which I yeah. found very funny. And then the fact that so she's like, here's the cookies. Oh yeah, Jeff Uncle Jeff loves his Girl Scouts. And it's so <laughs> like it's so nasty in a way that Sandra just goes right over her head. Yeah, well, sometimes I wonder, like, oh, you know, like, if she's like, I, I hope, I hope I'm not being too forward. And then I was going to ask, like, you know, Jeff has a lot of girls over her, but no, it's. Like, if um, she's so snoopy, you think that she would have yeah. noticed. Yeah. And then the whole, yeah, and then there's this whole, like, Columbo, like, oh, and another thing. Yeah. How's the roof? It hasn't really rained. How do you know there's a leak? And, uh, and that's where Haley's like, I'm going to go inside now. I just had to pay <laughs> for these Girl Scout cookies by, um, you know, dude, like rifling through the pockets of dude in a noose with the tape over his face. So I think I just need to stop. Here are the sweatiest $5 you've ever seen. Yeah, it's all <laughs> I feel like, like at the end of this movie, they're going to be like, hey, Sandra, oh, did you know your neighbor killed himself? And her son's going to be like, oh, shoot, his niece is supposed to babysit my kids. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like that's the only thing. She's like, God damn it, another babysitter prospect down the drain. Who will buy my daughter's cookies next year? <laughs> like, I love the idea that Sandra Oges is living in this broad family comedy about, like, Dennis the Menace-level kids that just happens to be taking place next to this horrifying thriller, like, drama, thriller, horror. What's the genre? Screaming? I'm gonna say the genre is just screaming. (laughs) Also, just the fact that this is easily the point where Haley has lost all facade of calmness in front of some like a stranger and mm-hmm. apparently Sandra oh apparently does not pick up on it at I mean like this girl could be being held hostage and, yeah. and be acting the exact same way and Sandra was like okay well you you seem a little weird but I'll get let you get back to it also the screaming because like in the middle of their conversation too there's uh, Jeff is screaming and she's like, ah, food poisoning. You know how people scream while they're while they're vomiting. Uh, throwing up. Yeah. I throw up. I certainly go. Ah, yeah. Ah. Yeah, it's my throw up noise. You know how you vomit with tape over your mouth sometimes? Yeah. You sound like you're smothered with duct tape. Yeah, um, yeah she she asked about the roof, but not the head wound. Um, that's a bit. It, that whole scene is bonkers like it's such a baffling scene like the writing of sandra o's character is crazy (laughs) all i can assume is that the head injury 
like the blood wasn't in the script and like they didn't really <laughs> think about it until like yeah. they filmed it and then it was like like right. this is either a scene where we see just how crafty Haley is or a scene where things start spiraling out of control and more people get pulled into like the violence Instead, it's just a scene of Sandra O oh being the most oblivious motherfucker on the planet. Yeah, when I saw Sandra O oh in the credits, I was like, oh, she's going to come in and she's going to do something. Because I, I thought there was going to be like an arc with more characters, like with police or something. But then, you know, and, and I didn't really pay attention to what the names were that were happening on the weird like red and white minimalist shit that was going on with the credits in the beginning. So, you know, I didn't really register that there were only four people um his speaking roles but Haley's a fantastic liar when she's just like leading jeff into this trap meanwhile sandra comes in and Haley's just the worst liar everything yeah. she says is so hilariously uncomfortable she does have a head wound like she's probably so much better yeah. it's, it's been a crazy day it's been a crazy day was it raining uh I almost wish she had said, like, yes, it rained last night, don't you remember? And just dared Sandra to be like, she probably would have been like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. You definitely could have tricked her. She has no idea what's going on. Bless her angel baby heart. Um, all right. So that that happened. And now we're back. Um, that, that had to have been like, I feel like they might not even have had a script for that. That might have been like, hey, guys, Sandra O is filming sideways and like. She showed up for, like, l- have lunch with Patrick Wilson. Like, we can film her. Like, look, we've got to do it during this lunch hour before she's got to get back to Sideways. But we can totally have her in the movie. Yeah, I mean, apparently, like, she had a working relationship already with Elliot Page, them both being Canadian. And uh, she's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and apparently, apparently in the script, she's just Mrs. Takuda. Um yeah. And she insisted that that character's name should be Judy. She felt like a Judy Takuda. Um, and apparently at one point, even the uh, the producer and director had her delivered as just Mrs. Takuda because they hadn't had a chance to clear Judy Takuda. And uh, <laughs> I got to say, that character really feels like a Judy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. Apparently Sandra O oh is uh, spot on that way. But apparently they made her deliver at one time where she, because she has the line where she says, uh, tell him, you know, Judy Takuda says hi. And apparently they made her deliver it as Mrs. Takuda at one time and she intentionally messed up like her voice enough that like it sounds weird so that they <laughs> wouldn't use that take. Good, because that's such a yeah. weird thing. Like That's awesome though. That's I, a good, that's a I'd never move. be like, hi, ever, like, have a, tell him Mix Con is, and says hello. Like fucking who does that? I have a first name. I have two unless, first names. Unless you're like 80 years old. That's the only time that that would work. But like she's yeah. around the same age as him. I will say, you know, we've been bragging a little bit on Sandra O's character, but I feel like I still feel like there's enough tension in that because I, she, as non-binary but, as I am, I still want like once I hit 80, I definitely want to start going by old man con. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I honestly do think that, that Sandra O, oh, there is some tension there, even if the writing's a little janky and that it could have been tighter. But I feel like she does bring just enough tension, at least in parts of it, so that you're wondering, oh, is Haley about to get found out? And maybe yeah. it's a little, maybe it ends up being a little too comic relief that 
that it ends up being like, oh, but just, but you forgot to pay me. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> right, right. I'll just go get the non-bloodied money. The tension yeah. really comes from that Columbo, like, oh, I saw you. How was the roof? Was there a flood? Well, especially because this was right after you see her starting to wipe down the bottles and stuff. So she's clearly thinking of a, I'm going to completely erase myself from the space. And, yeah. and so even though this woman is, is very like things go over her head, there's still like a sense of like, shoot, I am, there's evidence that I'm here, whether I wipe everything down or not. So, yeah. Yeah, and she's as she's wiping things down, you can see that she's like losing her her edge because she breaks the vase and everything. Um, and she's kind of like kicking herself too. There are a few moments like when when Jeff has gone and like one upped her, like you know, hit her or something like that. Where once she's done with him, she's kind of like clearly beating up on herself emotionally because like I didn't see that coming or like this isn't like this wasn't part of the plan which I think at least shows a little bit of her actual personality outside of being a, you know, torturer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's made clear by those scenes that she's not a Dexter, right? Like, this is not yeah. every weekend. She's not just, uh, you know, tracking this down might just be a and killing them all the time. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is her sophomore slump right here. That's, <laughs> she killed one guy. That went okay. Second it's one. Wonder, yeah. It's a little complicated. Uh, yeah, because, uh, I mean, here we get a quick falling apart of everything. She's, you know, talking to Jeff, trying to get him to kill himself. Jeff decides to uh, pull a pull, pull a little more Ninja Warrior move. Uh, and while still strung up to the ceiling, jumps off and uh, gets his legs around um, Haley and then gets to the counter. Um, and manages to, you know, untie himself. Haley makes a run for it, goes outside, and uh, he grabs a knife and, and follows her. Um, she, you know, runs runs back around and hides, um, and then they eventually have the confrontation on the roof here, uh, during which we have uh, Janelle showing up downstairs, and, you know, Jeff has had this realization at, at some point during this fight uh, that, what he really, what he really loves, who he truly is, is stabbing teenage girls um, in the garage. Yeah, yeah. stabs stabs the picture of the teenage girl on his wall in the garage several times. Um, I feel like that was like the close. That was the time. Even like watching it this time after watching it before, where I was like, I think this is the most we, detail we've seen of his photos, and it's like, oh yeah, she's in her underwear. This is really. Yeah. Cool. She looks like she's maybe. <laughs> tied yeah there's another there's another photo of like that has something some sort of implied fellatio going on too which is like that's a lot and then there was one there was a girl like on the ground like bloody which like okay that was in the living room yeah but he's an environmentalist so you know he takes pictures of birds too yeah this is jeff's let it go moment he's uh you know just really (laughs) really coming into himself and figuring out who he really is um as he stabs this picture of a teenage girl on his wall. Um, uh, I will say one of the things he says over and over again is you're all just, you're all just fucking like her. And it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. If you didn't think this was all about Janelle this whole time, it's all about Janelle this whole time. Yeah. Like, he starts really coming through the, uh, um, like the, the serial killer persona. 
um, that whole breakdown. Like she, was not, she was not exempt from his anger, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, and then also Haley calls Janelle saying that her name is Lieutenant Haley and she's a police officer. Yeah. I loved this. I loved Haley's voice trying to imi- trying to imitate Captain Haley. Yeah. And Janelle just being like, yeah, no, of course I would. Why would I go to a police station to meet you? Of course I'll go to apparently an active crime scene. She doesn't say what exactly is going on. Just that it's a situation with this guy that she knows. Um, then we don't want it to get out to the press. So we need to be really discreet. And I, depending on how much ha- or how much Janelle knows, it's like, how much does she already guess what is happening? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's I always the line in the letter, like, you're not who I thought you were. And there's like, how much, like, what does that line mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there was Even that Haley letter. She, about there, that. there was that letter she sent or something where it's like, I can't be what you need me to be or something. And it's just like, she obviously doesn't know about the child porn, but she definitely knows something else is really fucked up with him. So... Whatever, whatever's in her head, it's probably not that far off from what's actually happening at the house. Yeah. You know, having just talked about uh, Aperitif not too long ago, uh, this is a lot of, like, the same serial killer thing as what's going on in Aperitif, where, like, he has one person that he's fixated on, but, like, he cares about them and can't do anything to them. So he's finding a bunch of people who are like them to traumatize and possibly rape and murder, depending on how much of, of this we believe is Jeff's, you know, first to go at this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That just struck me as very, very interesting. Cause we, we do see, um, you know, Janelle shows up and Haley is trying to convince him to go ahead and off himself. And, uh, you know, if she, she says, if, you know, he goes ahead and kills himself. She won't tell Janelle everything that's gone on. But otherwise, she's going to find out everything. Uh, he tries to bargain one last time. And he's like, oh, I, I, I didn't kill the missing girl. I just watched. Um, and he wouldn't let me take photos uh, while he was doing these horrible things to, to the girl. And uh, Haley's like, that's funny. That's the... Or, he offers to... Tell him, tell Haley the guy's name and to help her find him. And Haley says, Oh, I already know his name. Like, mm-hmm. Aaron said the same thing about you, actually. He said that he was just watching and you were the one that did the horrible shit. Um, I feel like her giving him a name, or not giving him a name, but like actually naming him really, like, there's a sense of like finality where she's not just some of the stuff she could have guessed. But that's yeah. not a guess. That is a no. I've already done this. Yeah, yeah I've been there, murdered that guy. Um, <laughs> like, and you also just see all the wind go out of Jeff at that yeah. point because he's like, he's "No, like, oh, really, I can help last, you." That was my last card to play. <laughs> and he just, he just like deflates. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she, she talks him into going and hanging himself. Um, and he, he jumps off the side of the roof and she's like, I will, I'll, I'm sure I'll like erase all this stuff so nobody will ever find out about this stuff. And as, as he hangs himself, she uh, says, or not. <laughs> my, my, what I wanders know, off into the night to go, I don't know, murder again, rolls down a hill. A and... Like she said with her friend. 
Yeah, yeah. she's gonna go watch a movie with a friend. One of the things what? I, but one of the things I noticed with um, this watch is that as soon as he jumps, she dashes to the to the edge, and it's clearly so that he's still alive to hear her say or not. So when he's dying, he knows that that this is still gonna happen. Like it's very clear that she she wanted to tell it wasn't a I'm telling this to a dead body. No, I'm telling this to this guy who's dying, knowing that he that everything he didn't want to happen is about to happen. Yeah. Which I thought was actually very satisfying. I'm trying to figure out what movie Haley and her friend might be going to see. Now, if we're thinking this movie, I'm just looking at the number one movie now. If we're thinking this movie takes place when it comes out in Sundance in January of 2005, uh, she might be going to see Meet the Fockers. But if this movie takes place in April of 2006, it's wide release. Uh, she's probably going to see Ice Age, The Meltdown. I'm going to, I'm going to, hmm. Maybe she's going to see Scary Movie 4. Well, she can get she some more tips like a, there. Yeah. yeah, that's true. She seems more like the Scary Movie type. Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, probably, let's go with Scary Movie 4. She's making plans to see Scary Movie 4. When did Halloween H2O come out? Was that earlier? That was earlier. Yeah. I think that was like 2002. A few years earlier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know, but I just love the idea of like H2O. I don't know what that is, but it better be Michael Myers murdering his way through a pool party. That's the one with Busta in it, isn't it? Yes. No. Yes. No. no. Okay. I'm gonna, that was I'm gonna a journey. Throw, I'm going to throw out another option, and I'm just if her friend chose the movie. Uh, the Corpse Bride was 2005. I could totally see. Oh, that. that's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 That checks out. I mean, it depends on the time of year because Corpse Bride came out in like the. Who plays Haley's friend, guys? Huh? Who who plays Haley's friend? Oh, in the mind. Um, hmm. Megan Fox. Um, gosh darn it. Uh, who plays Rogue in X Men? I know the name. I just can't. Anna Paquin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. Okay, I am not gonna say uh megan fox but i am gonna be in that general area i'm gonna say amanda seafried plays the friend yeah definitely an amanda amanda seafried amanda Bynes. i'm not sure one of those okay uh, honestly by the way buster rhymes is in halloween resurrection uh oh my bad the one so, the one that one. is a reality tv show where they're filming people staying a night inside michael myers house and then michael okay. myers comes back okay but i, I love that premise that sounds fantastic i love it yeah. yeah, Buster Rhymes uh, karate fights Michael Myers in the hallway in that movie. That sounds like yeah. the greatest movie of all time. Yeah. Buster Rhymes does not feature as much as he really should this film. I mean, that's just true generally. Yeah. Like, that's true of every movie. Yeah. <laughs> this movie in particular. I, yeah. I imagine if it had been Sandra Oh and then like Buster Rhymes shows up and is like, those Girl Scout cookies are great. And then he just walks off set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been better. <laughs> Santa's husband is Busta Rhymes. Busta Takuda. What if he's the talking shot guy and actually asks Haley, hey, are you okay? Because yeah. this, all looks, this all looks shady as hell. I just, <laughs> he's just Sandra O's part. And he's like, just tell Jeff his neighbor Busta came by. <laughs> That's Mr. Rhymes to you. That's Mr. Mr. Busta Rhymes. <laughs> and in the script, they only had him as Mr. Rhymes, but he insisted okay. on the first name. Um, I do want to mention the the ending imagery is of this movie is clearly Little Red Riding Hood. It's like the most blatant. Like, oh yeah, imagery. apparently that jacket is orange. I they changed it I in like see. post. Yeah, 
and like apparently she's wearing an an orange hoodie and they were like oh what if we made this red like little red riding hood after the filming i know one of the movie posters has her in the hood and i think actually like standing on a giant like bear trap which i don't yeah that that feels a little my question my question is which branch of planet hollywood do you think has that hoodie how many branches are there and any of the ones in Ohio, if there's still, if there's one in Ohio, I think it would have, I feel like that's just the amount of like. Uh, if the, I feel like if, Tol- if Toledo has a Planet Hollywood, that's the level of memorabilia they got at the Toledo Planet Hollywood. I know. That's no, a- Ohio. I live in the Midwest, so like no shade to Ohio, but like, it just feels like that Planet Hollywood would have. Okay. Can I complain about Ohio for a second? Actually? Yes. So. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but Ohio has launched this whole billboard advertising campaign in New York trying to get people to move to Ohio. And they're all like, work from home, not work from a studio apartment. And they're fucking everywhere. That's amazing. (laughs) I was going to say, Ohio, fuck off with the billboards. I'm not moving there. It's not happening. Stop it. It's like the Oregon, the the Oregon campaign that has all of the like Studio Ghibli like imagery, like come. But it's not to move to Oregon because nobody in Oregon wants you to move there. Yeah. Um. This is not Ohio tourism. Like visit scenic Ohio. This is like, hey New Yorkers, you know how you're in New York. What if you did the total opposite of that? <laughs> they they need to lean into this like fanciful uh ad campaign shit and be like the magical land of ohio hey new york you tired of that fucking ocean we ain't got none of that shit here (laughs) you like walking to places fucking none of that (laughs) you like shitty winters with less good infrastructure we got a place for you it's just again i just want to talk talk to who's ever in charge of Ohio's tourism. I need to know how much the state of Ohio, how much the taxpaying citizen of Ohio is spending on annoying the shit out of me with a bunch of billboards in New York. If they lean into the Studio Ghibli thing, then they could be like, you know, like Japanese good morning, like Ohio, and then be like- Well, that was my favorite part of the last election was all the foreign pests covering gritty and no one having any idea of how to explain it except for Japan, which is just like, yeah, mascots. I mean, like cities have mascots. We know what the deal is. Fucking gritty. It's way crazier than our mascots. But yeah, Philly, you do you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. If you can have a state bird. Everyone else is like, we brought in BBC experts to talk about gritty and its role as Philadelphia's patron deity. <laughs> I, I always... In- the bit I enjoyed about that was hearing other people deliver deliver the sentences in different languages and just drop gritty into that language. <laughs> yeah. It's like Japanese is like gritty days. It's like, like we're showing the map of the states. You can see everyone else. All these other states just have their letters and then Pennsylvania's just gritty's face. Gritty wa it's like i'm pretty sure he's one of the electoral voters (laughs) gritty for president oh wait already
had that. Would you tell your uncle that Bus a Bus stopped by and said, Woo-ha, I got you all in check. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just a okay, ma- thank you. It's a completely nonsense, but my brain is just imagining a version of Hard Candy now where Elliot Page is replaced with Gritty, <laughs> including the first scene in the coffee shop. <laughs> Man, Patrick Walton is a very good actor, but I don't know if seducing gritty and, and keeping a straight face is going to work. Okay, but uh, the, the scene of Patrick Wilson wiping the chocolate from the lip, but now it's There's gritty. There's still some stuck to his fur. This is the podcast you get after 11. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd have to be like a mini gritty. <laughs> Sandra O oh, just talking to Gritty. Gritty just not responding at all. Just, just staring. <laughs> Big wild. Hi, this is Captain Gritty of the LAPD. <laughs> yes, I, if you wake up drugged with a bag of ice on your genitals and Gritty is holding a knife, you're so fucked. That's a different you're film. Fucked. That's a different film. That's that film has has legs. <laughs> I will say. That concept has some merit in terms of just horrifyingness, but uh, it's a very different film. I mean, um... That's a great episode of It's Always Sunny right there. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to TM that. Um, uh, okay, the- guys, it's Hard Candy Feminist. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm going to say yes, yeah. Honestly, yeah. the way we talk about how we mentioned how unlike Cabin in the Woods, this movie doesn't actualize mm-hmm. while trying to like bizarrely have its cake and eat it too and just fail on all counts. Like, I feel like God, as horrifying as it is, this movie depicts it with a realness that I don't know. It feels like it all handles it. It feels weird to call this movie having a deft touch, but I kind of feel it like it. The coffee shop scene is the right kind of like we talked in black swan about how the movie does not know what a monster vincent castle's character is yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. this movie knows exactly what it's doing like that it yeah that coffee shop scene is made to make your skin crawl and be like this is every red flag if you ever see this in real life fucking like raise every alarm imaginable yeah, even when that character is trying desperately to make you feel bad for him there is no point at which this movie says you should feel bad for this guy yeah like, <laughs> the most i the most sympathy i ever felt for him is during the forced castration scene where i'm just like we'll just kill him at this point like i i would prefer if you just plain murdered him like that's the most sympathy i ever had for him but I mean, part of that was probably because you wanted the scene to move on. So it's like, but if if you shoot him, then then the scene ends. The scene, yeah. I, I I really oh uh, again that was the I'm like I had to go to Wikipedia. I'm like, please don't tell me they're like to get a little bit more. It's just because I I was having like an I I don't I was having some kind of attack watching that scene. Like it was so uncomfortable. Yeah, there there are a few stories and in movies and stuff that I've seen that like do as good a job as this movie does of just making you feel uncomfortable of, of like putting you in that moment and making you feel as sweaty as they feel. Yeah. Um, and like, it's, it's, it's something that like, I feel like the only, the only thing I've ever, 
uh, read that like gave me the same sort of like guttural feeling was like uh, Chuck Palahniuk's short story Guts, which is just like so it's so awful, and there's so much bad stuff going on in it um, that like it's just yeah, it, it's it's bad to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, how I mean this this movie obviously doesn't doesn't have much to do with race i mean there's one person of color out of the you know four people who have speaking roles and she's there for two minutes um and other than having a uh non um, non-english sounding name um i don't think the movie really has anything to say about her or race does anybody else feel like there's racial commentary in this movie at all no not really yeah i think that could have been easily like a white lady saying similar stuff I mean, Judy yeah. could, yeah. Like, it's very, very much her point was not that. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have somebody in a movie for two minutes, why not Sandra? I have said, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you need yeah. someone to, if you need someone to cut the tension for like, for a couple minutes. You might Sandra, as well. yeah, Sandra O oh being in a movie will never be a negative. Like, everything is better for having Sandra O oh in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you guys feel like this movie deals with class at all? Not really. I mean, the guy having a rock pit. Um, I think maybe we could say something about like the power dynamics in terms of the fact that his his position of power over over not just like girls like Haley that he meets online, but also the models. But yeah. that's not a class. But it still has that kind of vein where he's clearly well off and and has the power to probably screw with their lives if he wanted to. Yeah, I feel like there's implicate. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like there's like a version of it where it's like in a world that like focuses on inequalities in modeling world, the way yeah. we saw with Velvet Buzzsaw in Fine Art and uh, Black Swan in, in Ballet and Black Swan. But, um, you know, this movie isn't, really about like the modeling industry it's more an extension just how just fucking awful jeff is (laughs) it's got somewhere to go and it's getting there it doesn't have the time to really discuss class yeah um uh do we feel like this movie deals at all with uh mental illness or physical disability i mean there's four out of five doctors agree i'm insane (laughs) yeah um that line it just again brings me back to 2006 where every single like girl's t-shirt was like a catchy basically could have had that as on their shirt you know what i mean yeah there was the the sort of hot topic like Haley definitely started shopping at hot topic ironically and is now real worried it's just completely sincere (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's all like I feel like that that aesthetic is so like Suicide Squad Harley Quinn. Like it's you know damaged. Uh, I don't know that. Yeah, it it doesn't have anything interesting or important to say about uh, about mental illness. It, it it feels like even Haley is just sort of using the crazy as like a gag thing, you know? Um, yeah. Because you know she's she's sort of answering the question of like wouldn't i have to be crazy to go around killing guys for doing something horrible that had nothing to do with me um like i warned you yeah and 
Yeah, this movie really treats Jeff as just like monster rather than trying to ascribe truly like ascribe any kind of mental illness to anything. Which is good because he's like yeah. awful yeah. and that would just be demonizing. Um, so it's good, but yeah, it, I I don't think it really is addressing mental illness or topics of disability in any in a, any deep ways. I mean, Jeff does bring up the question of trauma with this story of, I mean, we honestly don't even know if it's true of his aunt and his cousin and him. Um, and it's like, it's like he's trying to play at that, that he is the way he is because of something that happened to him and it's not his fault. Um, I mean, the movie just gives us so much evidence, like explicit, like provable evidence of him being a manipulative liar yeah, it's like yeah. even that story now just comes with a caveat of just knowing that by the end of the movie, you know, you really can't believe anything he says. Yeah, I I think the movie does a really good job, even though like there's still people who are like sympathetic to him. Like I said, I've I've heard those comments. I do think the movie does a really excellent job of of not being vague <laughs> about about how we're supposed to feel about Jeff in a way that a lot of other movies would leave more ambiguous if for not necessarily like not necessarily bad like they might not be meaning to leave it that ambiguous but it ends up like letting a lot of bad faith arguments seep in and here you really can't like not not after everything adds up to itself so i i always appreciate that about this movie yeah yeah, I feel like as much as they they kind of play about being vague in this in some ways, they don't, you know, they don't show Jeff's body, they don't show the pictures, they don't um, show a lot of the things. I don't think they're at all unclear about what the situation is, um, and they're you know very very clear that Jeff has has earned what's coming to him in this movie. Um, and yeah. that that's something I think is important about how we define the burden of proof uh, for people who have been abused, who have been, um, you know, preyed upon in this way, because there's a lot of things that when classically, when people think about rape or sexual assault, they think of something that is explicitly violent. Yes, Jeff has done a lot of shitty things. We don't ever see him do those things, but we know that he's done them. We don't need to see the evidence a lot of other films would show him in the act in order to try to convince us mm -hmm. but this film has the the ability and the the dialogue and the storytelling to show us how fucking monstrous this guy is um you know we have the evidence and also just through everything that he says and does um and you know i think that that especially for the time that's incredibly progressive in the understanding of how that kind of um, how those kind of predators get away with what they do. Um, because there's uh, a lot of the stuff that he says um, can and has won over like has been effective as as grooming technique. Um, and, you know, that's that's, that's all classic shit um, that somebody who might not have you know been around so long. A child perhaps would probably eat right up you know like um the the kind of shit that predators use that sounds innocent you know that, that, that these people especially these people who are writing articles about this movie saying like oh it's an in this is this innocent casual uh encounter in the coffee shop 
you know, like that's fucking bananas to me. I don't know how anyone can describe the coffee shop scene as innocent. There's right? nothing remotely innocent. It's skin crawling. Right? It was just like oh, horrible. Yeah. Literally yeah, yeah. from the first thing he does. Literally him like rubbing that chocolate off of her lips. I was like, ah! Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No so, bad. Bad touch. Bad touch. There's, <laughs> definitely there's bad. not an innocent moment anywhere. Yeah, that he, nothing anywhere. he does. I, I do think that it's it's good to know that we can actually use this scene as like a teachable moment for like just out not out of the context we could show this to like young teens and be like start to write down the things you notice about what he's doing what are the red flags that you see him doing and then we'll yeah. talk about it and and especially because like we're all in comics and it's really hard for me not to think about all of the stories i've heard of groomers specifically in like creative fields, like, you know, similar to photography. And it, I, again, like we're all in the same industry where we've heard these stories again and again, and it is very textbook, like, yeah. and, and when you add them all up, none of this is subtle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons that I've, I've definitely recommend this movie, um, of course, with all the trigger, you know, like considering, yeah. <laughs> who who's watching and all that kind of stuff there are people that i would love to strap to a chair and make them watch this movie to just look into that dark mirror yeah like i was thinking that this whole time um like this this whole time i'm like oh gosh, I'm gonna just i mean um I'm just, I'm just seeing that scene from red dragon you just got like you know philip seymour hoffman tied to the chair and you're like do you see yeah you see? <laughs> yes yeah, like fucking clockwork horn shit with their eyes open, and I'm like, ah, I mean, you know, um, I'm not one. Like, while while there's this particular fantastical, extreme, horrible, visceral satisfaction to see a a, a predator's uh, genitals mutilated, you know, I think that the uh, especially now that I've talked to everybody about it, I think that you know, I'm glad that they didn't really go with it. Um, but I think the understanding of what the, the dark mirror that this movie shows to those people who, you know, tell not just like 14 year olds, but like 18 year olds, you know, people significantly younger or significantly l more vulnerable than they are. Um, you know, you're so mature for your age, all that kind of shit, you know, um, spray bottle, just like yeah, with bleach. Yeah, yeah. get that bleach bottle up in their face. Um, I I honestly could have gone with more scenes of him just getting the bleach like sprayed in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. I love that she said that Haley said something along the lines of like that didn't need to happen. That yeah, I didn't have to do that. I honestly I feel like the most deeply satisfying scenes of the movie was Haley just tasing the shit out of him in the shower. Yes. I, my favorite bit was when he's crawling to her. He still has the scalpel, and she just walks walks to him, tases him. That not was great. Yeah, and she's like, he's crawling on the ground, and she's like doing other shit. You know, she's just yeah. like milling about, taking care of shit, and he's like crawling. You know, and then she just gives him a couple more pokes um, with the with the prod, and then takes away the scalpel and. The, the de her delivery, um, that character's deadpan sort of matter of fact, like, you know what you did, you know what you did. Let me remind you what you did. 
oh, you're trying this shit? Huh, that's cute. You know, it's fucking masterful. So satisfying. Yeah, like I said, cathartic is the word I kept writing down. Yeah. As much as, like, other parts are very cringy, the parts where Haley really, really digs into him and Mm -hmm. says all the things that I think a lot of us want to say to certain people, it's, yeah, there there is something extremely satisfying um, as long as you understand that Haley is the hero of the story. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess the, the one other question to ask here is, uh, as far as, uh, I mean, we, we had some, you guys have talked about wanting to talk maybe more about some of the issues around gender in this movie and around Elliot Page and... Um, generally how do we feel about i mean this movie doesn't really deal with lgbt themes in fact specifically it's very straight um but how i guess how do we one thing that sticks out to me is sort of the performance of gender in the first several scenes um you know Haley is very intentionally like we see the real Haley later who is very serious and intelligent and calculating and in the first few scenes, uh, Elliot is playing it very, um, pl- playing Haley as, as sort of like luring this character in uh, by, you know, performing sort of cuteness. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was talking about earlier with the, like the certain elements of the character, like the bra straps showing and all that kind of stuff. And, and sort of, it was less about objectification and more about like, you know, performing a, uh, a little girl. Um, which is part of what makes it so uncomfortable too. Just the, the, yeah, like those, those little bits, those little baits that she puts out there. Um, Ben, you were going to say. Oh, well, so this was really in terms of the themes or the LGT, but I just want to talk about like the ending, like the very, very end of Mm -hmm. the movie. What did, did y'all think we needed that little bit of Haley like coming down and making her way through the woods? Because I thought after Jeff jumps, he hangs himself, and yeah, yeah, and Haley's last words, I'm like, yeah, no, I'll take care of it, I promise. And then she looks down, sees my, and goes like, you know, or not. I thought that would have been just the perfect place to just like cut to black, like, nah, fuck yeah, fuck you, like, and we're done. Yeah, I don't know if I, I needed those extra seconds of just like, and then she got away. That's, yeah, I mean, I, I do like to know that she got away, but I think that, you know, that it would have been also valid for them to just cut from, or not. It just felt it like is, such a perfect interesting coda. I, I think it is interesting that it disproves this theory of Jeff's that she's going to be haunted by his murder forever. Yeah, um, all yeah, the horrible yeah. things she's done are really gonna stick with her. Uh, yeah, it's but, very much like she she could be whistling in that last scene. Yeah, well, so that sense of like relief and like peace, I think, is actually because I agree with you, Ben. I think that it would have been like a real like a hot damn moment if <laughs> if it had cut when with the or not. But I I do like the idea of like yeah, she's happy with this is a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I also feel like this, um, the whole idea, because I do love that Jeff's whole deal is like, you're going to regret killing me. Like, I'm I'm doing this out of, like, to, for your sake to not kill me is always just swatted down as him just trying to, again, be manipulative and self-serving. 
But when we learn at the end that another that again amongst that everything Haley said that in any way was any kind of identifying information was a lie, mm-hmm. up to and including her claims that Jeff is the first person she's done this to. That it's like she's already killed and has felt zero guilt about it. Uh, yeah, so I think Emily already answered the question of, of whether we think it was worth seeing. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Would you recommend this? I mean, I I recommended it to you guys. So, <laughs> so yes. I mean, we're the specific <laughs> brand of weirdos who are like, not only do we want to watch a horror movie every week, we want to then get together and talk about it for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, that's how you deal with it. <laughs> It is a movie I've wanted to talk to people about for a while. Um, it's one of those movies where, like, if I could get on a podcast, I'd want to, like, I want to talk about it. So I'm glad that you gave me that outlet. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think it's I, – I really, um, really like this movie, and I'm glad that I got to rewatch it a few years later. Actually, like, this is the first time I watched it since I came out as non-binary and since my partner transitioned. So it's like, we're again, the gender thing we're looking at differently. Um, But uh, yeah, I I think my one thing just looking back now is that I probably would mention more of the triggering stuff to people just to give them a heads up, but I would also try to do it as vaguely as possible. So I don't give away some of the best bits of surprise, but yeah, no, I think everybody should watch this. I think this is an incredible movie. If you just are with someone who's like, oh, you want to see a movie? Like, oh, yeah, let's watch Hard Candy. Like, oh, yeah, it's just like this real interesting thriller. And that's all the information you give the person. You're a monster. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think, like, I, I do think there is good stuff in here. I do think it is worth watching. I don't know who I would recommend it to because there is a lot of stuff in here that is potentially triggering for people who have undergone a lot of the things that are discussed in this movie um and it is very high on tension um and it 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 drags some of that tension out for a long time that can feel like exhausting while you're watching it you're just like i wish this is over it's a lot um so like i i think it's one of those things that like if somebody was looking for something like this if they were specifically shooting for a psychological thriller um and like i gave sort of those provisos of, of yeah there's a there's a lot here so be careful um yeah then yeah I, I i mean i think it's a good movie i think it very much goes in that list with a lot of other movies that i probably won't watch again um that i i think are good like hereditary and uh uh requiem for a dream like I could be okay never watching those movies again. It's not to say that they were not good, but they are a, a difficult watch. Side note, I did have the moment of, oh, what movie do you want to watch? Oh, let's rent, uh, let's rent um, the drug movie. God damn it. Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. yeah, this was like, I was like 16 and I'm like, yeah, let's rent Requiem for a Dream. It's like a cool thriller yeah, so I've had that. I've had that direct experience. I would not want to give that to someone else. Yeah, I, I had that experience with Clockwork Orange, watching with you know, a, a girl I had a crush on. So oh, just the two of us just hanging out, just, like this oh, sounds like a cool not, movie. Let's watch not, Clockwork not, Orange. Not great. Nothing to not great. kill the mood. Yeah. I mean, I had a first date. One of my first date movies was Red Dragon. So okay, that. so my my first date. 
I don't know if we've covered this before. My first date with with my wife, uh, we went to go see the Ryan Reynolds remake of the Amityville Horror. Um, just not only a scary movie, but not a good one. I mean, Red Dragon, that, that version of Red Dragon wasn't the best version. It's got a lot of good actors in it. It's got a lot of good actors. Doing some in pretty good acting. Yeah, there were the, their actors, they acted. Anthony Hopkins was part of it. Ray Fiennes, Edward Norton, Philip yeah, Seymour Hoffman. It's a murderer's row to make a very mediocre prelude to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, it, it was more coherent than Manhunter. But the soundtrack <laughs> was not as good. Well, speaking of other uh, movies that are good, uh, what would we recommend to people who uh, are looking for something to watch after this? Something that that pairs well with uh, Hard Candy. Katie, do you have anything to recommend? Well, Ben, if you have an idea, you go first. I would say, just based on the, uh, from what I understand, I haven't seen it, but Promising Young Woman seems like it would be of a of a kind with this movie. Yeah, I also haven't seen that one yet, but that does thematically seem um to actually tying into i haven't seen it but everything i know about it seems like a tie-in uh, audition um in terms i don't know you're gonna have to tell me you're gonna have to tell me i just know i just know the bare minimum about that movie and it seems there are some parallels <laughs> uh, <laughs> audition's a rough one emily have you seen audition i haven't okay i've been uh, saving it for the show man it's it's a lot. It's a movie where nothing happens for like the first hour and a half, and then like the last thirty minutes is terrifying. Um, but like that's serious body horror stuff. Um, it is uh, not not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so yeah, tr- trigger warning. Um, the other thing I would say, and this one's kind of a left field thing, but it, considering the ha- the modernness of the house and how important that is for this movie and how bonkers it gets. Um, I'd almost say Parasite, just because like those, the, I don't know, the aesthetic of it, even though they're very different movies with very different messages, um, there's something there that my brain just can't get away from. And also, if you haven't seen Parasite, why haven't you seen Parasite? Go watch Parasite, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Parasite's great. Definitely go see Parasite if you haven't seen Uh, Emily, what you got? Um, well, I, I mostly leaned into the revenge aspect, um, yeah um kill bill volume one is fun it's not of it's just it's dumb there's a lot of like there's a lot of good exploitation movies that are revenge like ladies revenge it's not as is like good <laughs> as this movie um but it is it is better just to watch for like you know if you're pissed off at somebody and you just really want to think about their head being chopped off um that's a good one. Um, and then, you know, there's the Black Christmas remake that we did, the, that we talked about previously. Um, that's a nice revenge uh, addressing systematic issues and, um, you know, women avenging themselves in that way. Um, also, The Witches of Eastwick has some of that aspect as well. If you want something that you can, like, be cool, like, yeah kick-ass witches ladies yeah and then you know fuck the guy it's it has that that energy and also um, the guy is the devil in that movie right yeah but he's also her? like a shithead it's, I yeah mean, i mean but the uh, literal devil yeah uh, on a calmer not i'm almost thinking nine to five also fits in this ratio yeah, I, yeah. So I, 
I and did look up can't a list. Go wrong with Dolly Parton. Yeah, <laughs> I did look up a list. There's a bunch of movies on it that I haven't seen. Um, although there's a there's a Park Chan book. Uh, old boy. There's old boy. Old yes. boy's on my list. And then he also did one called Lady Vengeance, which was on a bunch of lists. And I haven't seen that one. And I I'm gonna say, um, check it out because I mean it's Park Chan book. What are you gonna say? Yeah. Um, you know. Also, I haven't seen L or the Brave One. Now, the Brave One seems to be what they see they they're alluding to in this movie about Jodie Foster. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you want something a little bit more fun, uh, you have Jennifer's Body, and a little bit more bloody, you have Carrie, um, and then uh, um. Was was there something else? That's all yeah, the ones that on your list. There was something else that I was really like, I'm gonna say it. Oh. Um if you want to do like a compare contrast about revenge movies and how tactful they can be and how tactful they cannot be, um, this movie contrasted with I Spit on Your Grave. Mm. Um just if you're if you know you've yeah if you're okay. Let me let me put this in a good way. Um, if you're prepared yourself psychologically to watch a movie that's about rape revenge from the '70s that is trying really hard to be feminist and misses the mark in a lot of significant ways, um, and you know, and compare it to this movie, which hits the mark in some very very adept and ahead of its time ways, you know, that's a compare contrast that I can um, say might be interesting as a scholar. But you know, prepare yourself. There's a lot of uh a lot of rape in i spit on your grave that's basically what it's about um and but it's uh, about revenge too so there's that yeah um so yeah i had i had broken this up into a couple i have a list of revenge movies um uh, old boy is the number one on my list because that is uh in some cases equally as uncomfortable as this movie it is mm-hmm. very violent and very difficult to watch at times uh, there's also some really cool fucking martial arts in that movie that I don't know. This movie could have been pretty cool with some martial arts in it. I don't think it would have fit, but, you know, um, may, maybe in the sequel. Um, there was art. Yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is a, a great revenge movie. It's very long, but it, it stars Charles Bronson as a guy who primarily communicates by uh, playing a harmonica. He, he he plays a harmonica. That's I was not expecting that. Yeah, I was, I was like muscles. He's he's playing a harmonica. Uh, so when you hear the mournful harmonica calling, that means that guy is there for revenge. Um, I really like it. Once upon a time in the West, it's pretty goofy to talk about, but it's a uh, great old western. Um, there's also Gladiator. There's also John Wick. Uh, on the the same note as uh, Emily was talking about with the spit on your grave, there's the movie Revenge, uh, which there's a lot of movies by that name. But currently, there is a uh, horror thriller on Shutter called Revenge, which uh, has a female director. is still very much an exploitation movie, um, but also manages to work in a lot of the like 2010s horrible wounds things sticking through you um you know surviving against all odds part um and has a climax that i don't think is supposed to be funny but is one of the funniest things i've ever seen in a horror movie 
where like both of the remaining main characters are bleeding profusely and chasing each other down a circular hallway. Uh, it goes on for a good five minutes. Um, and the, the hallway is just so soaked in blood by the end of it that it's impossible to take seriously. So if nothing else, I recommend it for like that. There's got to be somewhere. Like by this point in the movie, like she's all cut up and he's literally like holding his intestines in with saran wrap um, and just chasing each other down a circular hallway trying to kill each other. It's wild. (laughs) It's it's on shutter right now. So if you want to see horror Benny Hill, um, go for it. Uh, Also, Elliot Page, uh, I love both Freeheld and Whip It. they are both older movies. Uh, they're both fantastic um, and uh, well well worth a watch. They have absolutely nothing to do with this movie other than they have Elliot Page in them. Um, and uh, that's that's it. Uh, I guess before we let you guys go, I would like to know, uh, Katie, where can people find you online? And uh, remind them where they can find your book and what it's called. Um, you can find me on Twitter at just plain tweets. Uh, I do have an Instagram. It's mostly me just taking selfies and talking about uh, my knitting. Uh, but I believe that's katie.schenkel85. Um, and those are really my two main social media, or you can go onto my website, katieshankel.com. If you want to see, uh, some of the books that I have, uh, my newest book is the cardboard kingdom roar of the beast. And you can get that at the bookseller of your choice. It came out on June 1st. And, uh, besides that, I do have a kid's horror book coming in August called a uh, night of the undead frogs uh which i i told jeremy a bit about before we recorded i i had a ball writing it and it's very goosebumpsy uh so and the uh, same thing like if you want to buy it online if you want to buy it from your local bookseller just tell them the name and they can probably get it to you so yeah it sounds like a ton of fun i hope so <laughs> <laughs> and uh emily where can people find you online mega moth on twitter uh mega underscore moth on indiscgram yep that's what they call it uh yeah if you want to go to indiscgram also instagram uh mega underscore moth uh patreon.com slash mega moth and megamoth.net on the internet and uh ben where can people find you you can find me at bencomics.com also on the internet uh, you can find me on Twitter. Let's be honest, more likely on Twitter because we all just infinitely scroll between the same four or five websites now. <laughs> Internet's a nightmare. You can find me at, at Ben the Con. Uh, Renegade Rule from Dark Horse Comics is in stores now. And the comic tie in to Ubisoft's uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising from Great Beginnings will be out from, uh, from Dark Horse this September. Yay. And, uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. I'm at jeremywhitley.com. And you can uh, pre-order the second book of School for Extraterrestrial Girls, a series I do with Jamie Noguchi. Uh, It's coming out this fall. um, And we'll have a special preview for that at Free Comic Book Day, which is coming up soon. Um, The podcast, Progressively Horrified, you can find on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressivelyhorrified, on Twitter at proghorrorpod, and our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. Wherever you are listening to this, we would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review. Reviewing and rating is the the way that uh, other people can find 
the show, the way that they help promote it through the websites. So uh, please give us a boost there and we would greatly appreciate it. It's our uh, love language. Yes, it's our mm-hmm. love language. Hearts, stars, reviews. Um, and thank you so much for Kate, to Katie for joining us today. I had a blast. Thanks for having yeah, thank me. Thank you. This is awesome. Yeah, it was a great time. And thank you as always to Emily and Ben. Love you guys. Love ya. Me too. All right. Uh, and we will uh, <laughs> we will see you again next week for something we promise will be less serious as we'll be talking about the hunger. Until then, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Katie Schengel. Opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. 